and gentlemen, Mr. Herbert A. Philbrick. What is communism? I've been on the inside of communism. I still have contacts. From this knowledge, I tell you as simply and seriously as I know how. Communism is a lying, dirty, shrewd, godless, murderous, determined, as J. Edgar Hoover says, a criminal conspiracy. I'm choosing these words deliberately. As I travel around, I still have people say, why are you so hard on communists? They're just another political party like any other, and a poor minority at that, and so misunderstood. Well, we don't want them misunderstood, and that's why we're making this film. And that's why I say they are lying, dirty, shrewd, godless, murderous, determined, and it is not an American political party like any other. And if you'll follow me, I'll guarantee that ten minutes from now, a lot of you are going to have a new understanding of communism. Now, let's see if that isn't so. Swallowed the red bait. Uh, they really don't make him like that guy anymore. That's uh, a different breed back then. And he, his uh, book was called "I Live Three Lives." Now he was was he a guy who was like a double agent or a spy yeah. or a, mm-hmm. a, a saboteur of some kind within the Soviet organization? Tim. Yes, he was. All right. What was his name? Nathaniel Philbrick. Mm-hmm. Herbert Philbrick. Something Philbrick. Teddy Philbrick. I can't Philbrick. remember. Uh, but anyway, he, uh, he he was from New Hampshire, and we used to vacation on the New Hampshire coast. And he owned a supermarket on the beach, and we used to go there to uh, get soda. It was called I Led Three Lives Supermarket. You know, every generation must have their own culture, I suppose. Was there a huge bronze statue of him in the town square where he was holding a scepter aloft, and all could kneel before him and thank him for fighting the godless menace that is communism? I'm sure it was there at one time. Hi, why, hello. It is uh, six minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of August, in the year of our Lord. 2008. Thank you for coming by, making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 to talk of this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program assembled lovingly in the United States by a collection of robots. Thank you for joining us. It is uh, 503-733-2970. If you'd like to weigh in, join us, take part in today's cavalcade of whimsy. It's 503-733-2970 with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, kvetches, two cents, whatever you may have, ends or odds, all are welcome here. It's 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane. Uh, 503-733-2970. You can also uh, engage with us electronically, if uh, that is your pleasure. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at... RickEmerson.com, Tim at 970.am, Richie with a T at 970.am, or Kristen with an E at 970.am. And it's good to see, speaking of infiltration, Tim, that the infiltration of our lungs by the various billions of dust and pollen molecules that float around the studio has already begun. I wonder if we get squirrels in the vents again, stirring up the dust. Squirrels in the vents, that's the new new bats in the belfry. There's a thing where, because it just started happening with me maybe on Friday, 
Because normally it's, no offense, normally it's just you that you come in here and you turn all sickly on me. Like you walk, you're, you're fine, you're back there and you're prepping your news and doing whatever and gathering sound bites and uh, assembling knowledge for the people. And then it's like you walk into the studio and I say, hello, Tim, and you go, <coughs> and then you just start batting your uh, hands around trying to get the dust out of your face. So it has just been you and occasionally Sarah. Uh, but then as of, I think, Friday, I started doing this thing where I would come in and I would be fine until I... Uh, breathing, fine. Walking around, fine. Prepping, fine. Working, fine. Doing all the million little industrious things that precede the show, fine. As soon as I open my mouth to talk, man, it's like a one-way ticket to Flemville. I mean, I mean, it's like it's a, I'm just a mouth to my knees and mucus, which is an unpleasant mental image, especially to start the show with. So for that, I apologize. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so then I get into the interview, and I'm talking to Lisa or Steve or somebody. and I'm, So uh, anyway, and then I have to hit the cough button, and I have to start excavating the back of my throat, and it's just no good. So it's, and I brought the Roomba in here like three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times, and I don't, I don't really know that it's having this monstrable effect. And that's not because the Roomba is an inefficient piece of machinery. It Maybe is not. you need an Oric like I have. Do you have an Oric? I love it. I have one. You can pick it up yeah. with one finger. They're fantastic. Both of you, really? Yeah. Oh, they suck up everything. Mine's like 12 years old, still going strong. Don't you think that somebody on a market of vacuum cleaner which is the tagline, you know, the Oric? It sucks. <laughs> I'm surprised somebody hadn't done that. Like maybe Kirby, if they want to get like kind of an, you know, they get an edge back into their advertising. Appeal to the young people. The guy who invented it is actually still advertising. I'm David Orrick. Yeah. Let me tell you about my revolutionary. He's totally and voice number a, three. You get a free portable one, so you can do your stairs. Mm-hmm. Really? You can live on multiple flights. Is it an attachment? And a free iron. <laughs> is it an attachment or is it an actual portable version of the vacuum? It's it like is, a handbag. It's yeah. a handbag, like a dust bucket. Like the dust, like the dirt devil. But but it'll it'll suck up a bowling ball if you mm-hmm. have one. Really? Yeah, it's really good, have especially you, if you have uh, a Dalmatian, because they shed all over the place. Let me ask you, shed. Let me ask you this. Um, it, now S-H-E-D. the the bowling ball thing. Now, have you done that at home yourself, or is that just a thing you saw in an advertisement and therefore you believe it to be true? An advertisement, I believe it to be true because it really sucks. Mm-hmm. I got a great idea. This is, okay, man, we're not even, uh, we're like, uh, it's ten minutes after the hour. We're only like four minutes into the show. I already got a fantastic, here's today's money idea, ladies and gentlemen. Really, at some point, I had to just put out a book called Stuff That I Thought Of But Don't Have The Time Or Money Or Resources To Do. Give me 5%. These ideas are yours. Like the lost cat magnet. So, I got an idea for like a Mythbusters type thing. Um, and remind me to talk about Mythbusters later on. I can already tell we need a longer show today. We're going to need a bigger boat. Um... Mythbusters. You know what Mythbusters ought to do? Mythbusters, except it's difficult because they're on, you know, they're on regular television. They're on the Discovery Channel, which is funded by, you know, the, the, the advertising and commercials. Somebody ought to do a Mythbusters type thing where they take all of those uh, demonstrations that they use for exotic products on TV and they give them like a real life test, like the orc sucking up a, ba- uh, a bowling ball. Which I'm, you know, I'm sure maybe it maybe can do it, maybe it can't, but I'm saying I'd like to see that tried. I'd like to see somebody attempt to prove or disprove that on television, where they just do nothing but exotic claims by fantastic devices. So, there you go. Somebody take that idea, you do that. So just give me a little credit, a little, little love, Rick Emerson's way. All right. Um, well, hey there, hi there, ho there. Uh, just one side note here before we plunge on ahead. Speaking dust in the studio and the Roomba. Here's what my wife and I do when we're uh, not busy driving to see Weird Al. We sat around for five or six minutes the other night and tried to come up with a name for our Roomba. You know, like Billy or Chet or uh, Dusty the Kid. And all we could come up with was calling it Roomba, which is just stupid. Is it becoming a pet? It really is. Everybody who has a Roomba will tell you this, that you start to treat it, it anthropomorphizes, and you start to treat it like a person. Like maybe... uh, you know what the Roomba is? The Roomba is like having like uh, an autistic, uh, you know, like a card counting kid, like one of those Rain Man kids. 
You know, it's like, a, you know, like, a, or, a, or a, what is it, an idiot savant? You can't do anything else. Can't take Special care of itself. Can't brush its own teeth. Uh, can clean the house like a bastard. That's the Roomba, not children. Uh, I'm saying the I'm saying the Roomba can't take care of itself. It can't clean itself. It can't empty its own dust canister. It can't fix me breakfast. But man, you put that thing on the rug and you say go. Uh, you never seen a house so clean. Uh, so we want to come up with a name for it because it is like a little pet. But all we can come up with is Roomba. And then that's like an unpleasant replay of when we had a hedgehog and we just named it Hedgy, which is just stupid. And then, no lie, we went to a hedgehog owner's convention one time, and everybody was like, what's the name of your hedgehog? And I go, uh, hedgy. And then they would just laugh and walk away. All right, there you go. All those thoughts, we haven't even started the program. Coming up today, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. He is at the CNN. Have you seen photos of that place? Yes. Jesus. Uh, so Seamus went by, sent me some photos of the CNN Grill in Denver. They are living high on the hog, as they used to say. That is really... It's like a full-on Olympic village, but it's just for CNN. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum about last night's uh, uh, speechifying uh, at the uh, Democratic Convention. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop will answer the magical question, What is John McCain doing today? Uh, I will pretend to be interested in the answer. Mr. Skin will join us today from MrSkin.com, the online celebrity nudity database. Uh, two different, I say, tempting fate. Two different top fives today. Here's the thing we have today's top five. Brand new one right here. The best top fives we've ever done. Right here. These are the top five B-sides that exceed the A-side. These are the top five B-sides. You kids out there, a B-side is a thing that was... You used to go to the store and you would buy a record or perhaps a single. And then there was the song you went to buy, which was, let's say, House of Pain by Faster Pussycat. So you buy your single for House of Pain by Faster Pussycat. You go home on the B, you know, the other side of the tape. There was another song you probably didn't care about. In this case, it was uh, Slip of the Tongue. Uh, you know, maybe you liked it, maybe you didn't. These are going to be the top five B sides that are better than the A side. <laughs> right there. Yeah. All right, joke on that. Uh, we've also got another mystery top five. So I spent. We did one of these yesterday. We'll do the other one today. So I spent uh, like 90 minutes on Sunday. I told a little bit of this story yesterday. Going through the audio vault, which is the sort of computer system here that holds all the uh, holds all the sound and the jingles and the commercials and the hey hey, and uh, so I went like through the audio vault with a fine tooth comb because I kept hearing these things on the air that ended with solid state radio and it was just like knives in my soul. So I spent about an hour and a half going through cleaning out everything. Can I just tell you, I found stuff there all the way back to like I found a liner in there that actually identified this station as being 970 The Beat. Are you kidding? Well, I almost played it, but then I just deleted it. I just didn't care. Uh, and then there was stuff that was like, 970, Extreme Talk. Yeah, that was the talk station we crushed when yeah. we were next door. It was a station that uh, we... had we... to lift a finger and do that. <laughs> that was an Opie and Anthony. And we obliterated. at one point. Uh, it? Yeah, they, uh, there was an Opie and Anthony line in there, too. Opie and Anthony, Extreme Talk, boobs, you know, or whatever. So that was that. This station was Extreme Talk. We're just talking. Now we're only talking to Craig Adams. But this station was Extreme Talk when Tim and I were next door at KOTK, uh, just uh, stomping the station to little little tiny radio pieces. Uh, so, uh, but now we're but now we're here and the station's fortunes have reversed. Uh, let's see. Uh, so, but uh, we got a, a, another mystery top five that I found in the audio vault that's from about two years ago. So uh, today we will do uh, another mystery top five. And if uh, you can correctly identify today's mystery top five after we play it, uh, you'll want a copy of The Shield, the entire sixth season, on DVD. The Shield, the entire sixth season, uh, on DVD. So we'll do uh, more details on that later on. Let's see what else is going up today. Uh, we'll have uh, our second 
Exciting interview for the AM970 Birth of a Salesman contest. So we had this guy yesterday, and to be fair, he was the first guy out of the shoot. It's not easy to be first, uh, but he came on, and I should say he had like two and a half hours to prepare for that interview yesterday because we told him at 10 a.m. he was going to be on. Uh, so uh, we will be uh, taking about three minutes to interview somebody else who is angling to become the next great American uh, salesperson right here at the AM970. So that's coming up later on. Brittany Watch today. Geek Watch today. Uh, a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, this is Tim Riley, who's working on the following stories for your edification on this Wednesday. Nothing against our good friends at CNN, but I have been riveted to the MSNBC coverage. Chris Michaels and Chris Matthews, somebody has it in for him because the night before last, there was this fan going on in front of him that was blowing his hair all over the place and made him look like a rooster, Excellent. but didn't touch Keith Overman. Then there's a shot of... Uh, Chris Matthews talking to Keith Overman and they accidentally cheat to the right and you see Keith Overman reading something not paying any attention to what he's saying. <laughs> then last night, a train went by every time Chris Matthews opened his mouth. That's fantastic. Over and over again. So anyway, the point I'm going to make... Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. And that is really how I sum it up. So, yeah, uh, yeah you have to be watching MSNBC with Chris Matthews, whoever he's on with, because every night, it's Very a classic. hoot. Uh, meanwhile, uh, back here at home, some sad news. A woman dies in a downtown Portland, uh, Portland apartment fire. OSU scientists find the world's oldest uh, Geico. The remains of long-forgotten dead pioneers are found at a Springfield construction site. A Jefferson woman was huffing laughing gas before crashing her car in an accident that killed her friend. I bet she's not laughing now. And Hillary gives a rousing speech as Bill Clinton continues to sulk publicly. Man, he just he looked all shiny-faced and awkward last night. Uh, so I watched. So you were watching MSNBC. Yeah. I got some thoughts about that in a second. I was holding it down for uh, for our peeps at CNN. So I was on the couch. I watched CNN. Here's how lame or great I am. I it is. I have cable now. I got it all upgraded to the big swank package again. Uh, but you know what? It's Wednesday, and I still haven't watched Mad Men from Sunday because I was going to watch it last night, but then I found myself watching four and a half hours of convention coverage because I'm a tool. Uh, so I just what Bill Clinton looks all f overly tan and shiny and sweaty and. And that he has that like perma grin on his face. The I don't want to be here. Well, somebody handed him one of those unity signs and he held it for one second before he put it down. Threw it away and stomped on it. Uh, so we got lots of thoughts on the convention. We'll do that here in a second. Let me just say this about Chris Matthews, followed by this about Keith Overman. A, Chris Matthews, I, I do like him in a way. I get real hooked on the on his hardball show during the 2004 election. And I kind of, I've fallen out of that. I don't really watch it anymore. But I went through this serious phase where I was addicted to Chris Matthews' uh, hardball program. And he's one of those guys like Michael Reagan that needs to swallow more often because the saliva builds up in his mouth when he talks. And then he gets to the whole, well, just, Michael Donahue from the Catholic League, I'm just going to ask you this question about Barack Obama. You know, and he turns into voice number three while he's talking. He's really, but then you get the feeling Chris Matthews, like he just gets so angry sometimes it's like his head is going to fly off. And he's, well, I don't understand why they just they won't get out there and just tell Barack Obama that he's going to, bam, and just wait for his head to explode like trancer style. Um, but but, but it, it's just hilarious <clears throat> that uh, he's sitting there talking. And he's just speaking to himself, and nobody's listening to him. And it's obvious nobody cares what he says on the panel. And they cut to Oberman, who's like filing his nails. And yeah, like... he's, he's doing, you know, jumbles. <laughs> uh, can I just tell you this? Let me. I will make this observation about Keith Oberman. Boy, I love that guy. Uh, and and flick. I love Keith Oberman. And I don't hear. And just let me. I will say for the record, because lately, you know, he's doing a little bit of these kind of self-styling himself as sort of an Edward R. Murrow type. Where he's, Mr. Bush, I say to you, you know, and he's doing these like long, tedious sort of screeds against George W. Bush. And I don't really care about that. 
I mean, I, I think he's. he's he, I, I'm not even a sports fan, but I mean, you ever see like back when he was on Sports Center? I remember back when he was on KTLA doing sports with Hal Fishman. Man, That's I, hilarious. I don't care what Keith Oberman does. I don't care if he's a liberal, a conservative. I don't care if he's ranting or just interviewing or whatever. I love that guy. Uh, and and I will say this: I'm not afraid to make the statement. If I was a chick, I'd be all over him. Seriously, if I was uh, if I was a girl or perhaps a prettier man. I'd be making Keith Oberman my special friend. I'm going to say that right now. I'm unashamed. Rick Emerson says that publicly. I mean, he's just, A, he's a very, I would say he's a very attractive man. He's a, he's quite a looker, that Keith Oberman. Also, you get the feeling he's just just a bastard, you know, but in a, in a kind of like, I'm really smart and wealthy and I can do whatever I want, so get out of my way. I got a, I got an IQ that can boil water. Move on. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's one of those guys that is just clearly, he's so intelligent and has such a... Uh, Keith Oberman... Now I just sound like I have a crush on Keith Oberman, but, you know, just whatever. Everybody's going to be okay with that. Uh, the thing about Keith Oberman is he is the very definition of when they tell guys, like they'll talk about like Like Us 101 or when those guys who do the Magnolia, you know, like the Tame the Sea lecture, that guy. When they do those seminars about how to get chicks to be into you, and they'll, they'll say, well, you know, you don't want to be arrogant, but you want to be as confident as possible without becoming arrogant. Like you want to be confident right to the line of arrogance. Don't go over Keith Oberman has got that down to like the sweet science, man. If Keith Oberman comes on, you can tell he's just just got huge ones to the floor. You can just tell. So I dig that guy, and not least of which, also because the uh, because the character of I do believe the character of uh, uh, Casey McCall on Sports Night, the fine Aaron Sorkin joint, uh, the character of Casey McCall, uh, as played by Peter Krause, is modeled on um, on Keith Oberman. So there you go. Also last night, I don't know if this is true or not, but Bill Clinton. Was said to be mouthing, I love you, as Hillary spoke. Really? He looked at her lovingly. Now, Aaron Duran sent me a text message last night, and Hillary made that line about, you know, no more John McCain. And I didn't see this, but Aaron says that they cut to Bill Clinton mouthing the phrase, I wrote that. Which is great. <laughs> oh, that was probably the part when they thought he said, I love you. Yeah. Uh, Aaron thought it was, I wrote that, but, you know, who's to say? I can't really, I can't really get, tell you one way or the other. I have all kinds of questions about the convention, so I, I'm gonna, Tim, I'm going to let you in a minute kind of guide when we do that and when we don't. Uh, we're joined today by Kirsten Bowie, filling in for Sarah Dillon, who called me drunkenly from New York last night. Uh, Sarah, and I'll let her tell the story later, but my phone rings last night, and I looked down at Sarah, and, uh, you know, I love Sarah, but you, at a certain point in the night when the phone rings, you know that she's like 15 glasses in. So and she's on Eastern Time and she's course. on yeah. Eastern Time. So it was and it was like 2 a.m. New York time. So it was it's like 11 so o'clock here. So easy to lose track of time oh, yeah. when you're over there, though. So I answered the phone and I said, "Hello, Sarah." And she said, "Rick, you'll never guess where I am." And I said, "I I have well, you're in New York. What are you doing?" She goes, "I'm in a club with Andrew WK and there's only 10 other people here and none of them know who he is and I celebrate his entire catalog and he's a beautiful man. So I'm gonna go talk to him and get my picture taken." I said, okay. And then she and then she told a whole bunch of other great stories. But she's going to call us later on the day. We'll find out what she's up to. So, uh, and uh, so forth. How are you, Kristen? I'm doing well. Did I, you... I watched the pilot of uh, Dead Like Me last night. You know, I've never seen that show. It's, it's so hard to judge a show by simply its pilot because they're kind of throwing everything out there. It's hard to build it up in an hour, you right. know. And so I have to see if it's worth it after this episode. But it was good. It's it was one of good. those shows that people, I got a whole list of shows now that I got the cable back. People are like, you know, the show you really ought to be catching up on is like blank. Insert. Gossip Girl. Mm-hmm. Gossip Girl. Yeah. You know, my wife does it up watching it after both of us. I, uh, I'll put that, I'll put that, I'm going to put it on the B pot. Well, she says the same thing you guys say, though, which is she can't tell how old the girls are supposed to be or who the target audience for that program is. I mean, they're coming out of nightclubs by themselves in the middle of the night and hopping into cabs. Yeah, I know, and they're all like 15, and they're like bonking half the class or something. Uh, so, 
Uh, all right. Well, so I don't even know where to go here. Um, Tim, I will let you decide what happens next. Um, I can talk about... I don't even know if I should talk about this whole thing that's going on at my house. I got this whole, like, maintenance issue happening at my house. I don't even know if anybody cares. Oh, I do. I'm just... I, I'm a property owner. I love... It's tall tales. Okay, then, then, well, then you know what? Then I'll tell this story. If we have time, we'll do some other stuff. If not, we'll take a break. I got all these thoughts about the convention that I wrote down last night. Uh, so we'll get to that. Uh, we got a Britney watch coming up later on, Geek Watch, Jim Rube coming up, uh, all of that. Uh, let me just say this. I'm just going to bottom line it here. So there's a bulldozer in front of my house this morning because they're digging an eight foot deep trench in my front yard. So For what reason? Because there's a break in the sewer line, Tim. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's a whole lot of fun. Uh, and so there's been this whole, you know, some emails and phone calls back and forth recently about what's going to be done with it. And what's going to be done is I get the knock on the... This morning, and it's like uh, the guy who was, to be, to be fair, very courteous, very whatever. And he's like, so, uh, yeah, we're here. We're going to be uh, doing some digging. And I said, well, what do you mean? Define some digging, would you please? He goes, well... And then he just points to the bulldozer, which I didn't see somehow. He goes, we're going to be doing a little digging. And I said, what do you mean? And rather than answer, he just sort of jerks the thumb over his shoulder, and I look, and there's like the full-on huge earth mover in my front yard. And he's like, so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be taking about an eight-foot deep uh, trench out of your front yard this morning. So uh, sign here, please. And I'm like, uh, okay. I mean, I have only his word to go on. It could be just some maniac who stole a bulldozer, for all I know. I have, only, yeah, I have only his word to go on that he's being sent by the proper authorities. But so the, the guy asked me, he's like, hey, is your driveway going to be free today? And I said, well, my wife and I are both working. We're each going to take a, you know, one of the vehicles. So, yes, I think the driveway will be here. And he goes, okay, we've got to take out eight feet of dirt this morning. We've got to put that somewhere. So uh, that will probably just be in your driveway when you come home. So when I go home today, there will be an eight-foot-high pile of dirt in my driveway. Uh, also, one of my neighbors, I'd like to thank you in advance, one of my neighbors handily parked right where the sign was put last night by the city that said, do not park here, thus ensuring that the work can't even begin until they track down whatever jackass neighbor of mine managed to park there blocking the space. So thanks. Thanks so much for that. Uh, so in any, so that's what's happening right now. That's what I was woken up with this morning. It's a bulldozer in my front yard. Oh, and also my water's going to be out all day and part of the night. And then for the next few days, my water, quote, is just going to go off sporadically. So it's going to be a great week at the Emerson House. Well, I, I can't wait. Uh, let's see. We want to congratulate, I guess, uh, our friend uh, Storm Large. Who was oh, on, what did she do? She was on AM Northwest this morning. I guess she's doing. she was on there. She was co-hosting. She was doing some sort of gig. So I want to congratulate her on what was apparently a stellar performance. I, didn't, I actually didn't see it uh-huh. uh, because I didn't, I didn't know she was going to be on. But somebody sent me an email about that. Uh, here we go. Rick. Don't ask me why I'm watching, but Storm is co-hosting AIM Northwest on K2 Channel 2. She looks great, and in the first eight minutes of the show, she's already dropped two crude sexual innuendos on the air. Good for you, Storm. Maybe somebody will watch now. Next time you, Next time you talk to her, ask her about the fantasy she told about Davey being a motorcycle mechanic and Storm not being able to pay for the repairs to her bike. I'm sure the K2 Morning audience appreciated that. Uh, anyway, so there you go. That's from Jay. All right. Oh, God. I don't know. I don't even think we have time to get to anything else yet. It's just, there's just so much stuff. I have all of these stories to get to. I mean, not surprisingly, just, just tons of stuff, including, by the way, Tim, this story about trains. Have you seen the story about trains? Trust the, this is the headline, Tim. Uh-huh. This is from Reuters. Frustration grows as Americans fill trains. Looking up at a list of... Deli- they started as they do often with the human interest story. Mm-hmm. Dateline Boston. Looking up at a list of delayed trains at Boston's crowded South Station on a summer afternoon, Peter Pessis, that's an unfortunate name, Peter Pessis. asks why passenger trains in the United States are so slow, so crowded, and so prone to delays. This isn't Europe, he said. Trains ought to work better here. Yeah. But they unfortunately 
Don't always do that. Not every city can have a max. No, it is true. Uh, all right, so we should probably break, although I do have all of these. Let's just go around the room. You didn't see the convention last night, did you, uh, I Kristen? Saw, I saw Hillary speak. Let's go around the room, and let's just do one teaser observation from each of us. Then we'll break. We'll come back. Your phone calls, uh, Jim Roop, Steve Kastenbaum, all that. Uh, Kristen Bowie, one observation about last night's convention. I love Hillary. I just can't listen to her speak for very long. That's true, because she's shrill and yeah. evil. Yeah. I noticed that they got rid of the traditional Hillary signs and replaced them with kind of a strip with a lipstick line underneath. I didn't notice that, really. They were more feminine than masculine. Well, because they're trying to because they're trying to play down the fact that that she's a guy, basically. I think, and they I never saw that font used on the Hillary sign before. Well, because I think because during the primaries she was. During the primary, she was doing that whole thing of, like, trying to appear really tough and forceful and whatever, which somebody really sort of misguided her on that because I don't think that was ever her issue. I don't think everybody I don't think everybody thought Hillary was a big wilting flower beforehand. I don't, I don't know anybody that looked at Hillary and went, well, she's soft, she's fragile, she'll if break. Anything she needed to build up her femininity yeah. on that. Well, well, now it's been replaced with a Sex in the City lipstick. That's awkward. And uh, then, by the end of the speech, those signs were replaced with unity signs. Yeah. So somebody collected the signs mid-speech and replaced them with something else. Hey, can I tell you? This is how much. This is how great my wife is. Best wife ever. You know what my. Uh, you know my wife bought me when she was in. Uh, where was she? She was in San Francisco or something uh, about a year ago. You know what she got me? She got me one of those. Uh, one of those signs that the supporters hold up in the crowd. It was from the '72 Republican convention. It's a Nixon sign. Oh, really? And it was like a legitimate, like a vintage sign. Wow. The uh, the ones that are. Um, you know, they're like a, an upended rectangle. You know, they're real thin and tall. Uh -huh. And it says Nixon in day glow orange on a blue background. That's and it's awesome. from the 72 Republican convention. That would be funny the next time we have a protest downtown. Uh, if we carry Totally go hold it up. Or have a street teamer do it. Oh, no, it's fantastic. Be great. Yeah, i got to hang it up in my office at home for inspiration. Uh, all right. Hear that, Susan? Yes. Uh, it, no, it's great. Uh, and then, I don't know how to feel about that pantsuit Hillary was wearing last night. She's worn that one before. Man, she looked like a she looked like a big creamsicle. I just don't. It was just a whole lot of a, a whole lot of weird. I, I don't know about that color. But um, I'd say her speech is good. And I will say this: Hillary seemed much more. She can fake it a lot better than Bill can, which is I think yeah, Bill. he's still seething. Yeah, you can tell he's just you know. And I hate to do the stupid Bill Clinton voice, but you can hear the thing in his head. I'm so oh, angry. How, how dare they say no to us? I know. I mean, because they just sort of figured it was. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I love the Clintons in a sort of horrible way, yeah. but you know that they they figured it was just their birthright, and who can blame them? I mean, Bill Clinton, you know, is probably the most gifted politician of a generation. Well, and what happened? They started themselves with a team that always loses for the Democrats. Right. Right. Terry sure. McAuliffe and the rest of those people. I will say that. The exception to that is James Carville, uh, in my opinion. Paul Begala seems like a tool. Wishy washy. Yeah, but I mean, I got to say, James Carville really seems like a guy you don't want to cross in terms of politics only because he seems to know what he's doing. Carville really seems to, in fact, I got a great. Well, we'll just do this again for a minute or two, and then we'll and then we'll break. We're just you know, giving up any idea that we're gonna we're gonna be on time here. Uh, let me just read this one observation about James Carville, who who I really do love, uh, and I can't recommend this film enough. It's a documentary called The War Room uh, by D. A. and James Pennybaker. Uh, it is a documentary of the 1992 Clinton campaign by a team of filmmakers who were given almost unfettered access to the rapid response room that was run by George Stephanopoulos and James Carville. I don't care if you don't like politics or not. It's fantastic. Because they were there from the very beginning of Bill Clinton's campaign through Jennifer Flowers, draft dodging, I didn't inhale, 
you know, when he was down and out and then came back in New Hampshire, uh, all the way up to election night when he won, there when he's giving the victory speech at the governor's mansion. They're there the whole step of the way. It is so righteous to watch. It is just, and the best part is that James Carville kind of goes crazy halfway through, and he just, he talks about this later in his biography, he just starts wearing a pair of gardening gloves all the time for no reason. Well, he just latched on to himself, i got to start wearing gardening gloves, and he just put them on and wore them everywhere. I'm going to read this one email. It says, uh, you know what I love, Rick? I love to see James Carville getting into it. I love that James Carville loves blood in the water. James Carville loves the feeding frenzy. James Carville loves the game of politics. I love that James Carville is as analytical and vicious and cynical about politics as I am. Uh, there's just something heartwarming about hear, uh, hearing Carville spend Monday night bitching about how the Democrats are a bunch of wusses for not throwing punches, and then when punches were thrown on Tuesday, seeing Carville run around like a kid on Christmas morning or a B-list rapper at a dogfight. So there oh, you go. Pat Buchanan was not on MSNBC last night, but he was the night before, which is disappointing. Really? Yeah, he's uh, one of the reasons why I watched that. Also, uh, Jimmy Carter was there, and nobody paid any attention. Yeah. So, well, because why would you? Uh, all right, yeah, take a break. Back after this, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. We continue around the corner with Jim Roop later on, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Stay there. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, coming up later on, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth, Steve Kastenbaum from Denver, Colorado. Uh, we'll do today's uh, top five. Top five B-sides that exceed the quality of the A-side. Uh, we'll also give away a copy of The Shield, Sixth Season on DVD and so forth. This, however, from Los Angeles. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, James Roop. Hello, sir. How are you, brother? Doing all right. Thank you much. Uh, Although I did find out that it looks like I'm going to have to go to New Orleans tomorrow. Or oh, Friday. because of the because uh, the hurricane anniversary. Oh. Oh, see, now I thought it was uh, they were sending you up for the anniversary of the hurricane. No, we're going to have another one, apparently. All right. You know, it, might as well do the anniversary while I'm there, but there'll be nobody to talk to. They're evacuating the freaking city. <laughs> There's a certain grim irony to that, I suppose. Um uh, let me ask you this. Here's a dumb question. Is, so what is it, Hurricane Gustav or Storm Gustav or Gustav, yeah. whatever? Well, it's right now still a tropical storm. By the way, that's not a dumb question. Um, it's t a, tr a tropical storm now. It's expected to reach Cat 3, Cat 4 uh, by Monday. So forgive my silly inquiry. Is this like a big deal? Is this going to be another one of those flattens everything storms? Or is it going to be another one of those, well, it rains a lot storms? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, that's the beauty of nature. We don't know. <laughs> I suppose. It could be real bad, but, you know, I think this time they could start evacuating New Orleans as early as Saturday um, just just to get the people out of there. But that doesn't mean it won't be just as devastating. It depends on how much flooding goes on. If you remember, Katrina didn't do much damage. It was the levees that broke right, afterwards right. that did all the that screwed everything well, up. Well, so here's a here's an even dumber follow-up question. So have they have they done something about that? Well, they were supposed to be shoring up these levees for the past three years. So we'll find out once we get there. Yeah, I suppose the proof will be in the uh, pudding, uh, so to speak. Yeah. All right. Well, in any event. Uh, so all right. So we, we had uh, Hillary Clinton speaking at the convention uh, yesterday, and I guess so. So McCain. I was talking to Dick Giuliano about this. That, you know, McCain can never take a day off now because there was that thing a couple about like a month ago where where Obama took I think a week off and went to Hawaii. 
and was just sort of, you know, just hanging on the beach or whatever while McCain was still doing his thing, which in a way was sort of great because it was, I think people recognize it. It's a long, grueling uphill battle. And, you know, there was also a little bit of a style point there for uh, Obama to be like, you know what, screw it, I'm taking five days. But now we're in just this death march all the way to the end. And McCain, you know, both those guys have just got to kind of be on the road forevermore until this whole thing is done. So so where is where is McCain uh, yesterday today? What is what is he doing? Well, he's he has taken the day off. Oh, really? Uh, he's he's back at his as of today. I guess he left San Diego late last night to go back to his retreat near Sedona uh, to work on the campaign, cut a few campaign spots, probably prepare for the GOP convention next week. He may have to change his opening schedule because Schwarzenegger says he's not going to go. His Schwarzenegger is scheduled to open up the the convention right. on Monday, but he may not go if there's no state budget. So he, you know, so McCain may have to do a little juggling, maybe open the thing himself. Wouldn't that be novel? This is not a good year for the Republicans. Let me just, I would just, just logistically, dude, there's so many things for the Republicans that have just backfired or gone wrong this year. They are just. They're having a bit of an off election season. I yeah, would say. but what, did you talk to Juliano about Hillary's speech and how McCain's going to start using some of the stuff she said? Uh, I didn't talk to Dick Juliano about it, but I was watching uh, watching the always insightful Larry King last night. Uh, so as he just sort, I mean, look, I don't mean to sound, I don't mean to make jokes at the expense of Larry King. I say making jokes at the expense of Larry King. He's a broadcasting legend, and I, I do all kidding aside. I do respect Larry King, and I was uh, I was actually just talking uh, to uh, Kristen Bowie about this the other day, who was uh, producing the show today. I was talking about Larry King and how he does have a vi- – the thing you can say about Larry King is – I know we're off on a little side note here, but the thing you can say about Larry King is that he does boil the question sometimes down to its bare essence, and he just gets it to, like, the fewest possible words – and just sort of blurts out what everybody wants to know. And, you know, of course, that can also be his undoing because he's a little brusque sometimes. Uh, and, of course, that's best exemplified when he takes those calls. You know, and it, we, you know, everybody knows that. Hi, Larry, I'm calling from Scranton. Ohio. What's the question? You know, just get to it. But uh, it's like, like he's going to come to the phone and start punching you for your lack of clarity. But um, anyway, so I'm watching Larry King last night. He has some tool from the McCain campaign on. I, some guy named Tucker. Tucker. Carlson? Not, it wasn't Tucker Carlson, though. That's oh, the thing. Uh, it was Tucker Tucker Bounty. I think Tucker Bounty, is that even a real name? I think that was his name. What a weird name that is. Tucker Bounty sounds like some sort of Dickensian children's character. Anyway, so Larry King is on there, and he's a Tucker Bounty from the McCain camp. What, what say you about Hillary Clinton's speech tonight? And they were saying that they're going to start using excerpts from Hillary's speech mm-hmm. to rail on Obama because, uh, you know, because of things that Hillary didn't say, especially that she did not retract a lot of the accusations she made about him during the primaries. Right. So I don't know if that's at all. And what they're going to be using about. a lot of those things she said during the primaries in his uh, upcoming ads. So actually, for all that's gone wrong for the Republicans, this could be Hillary Clinton could be their best campaigner. Well, I got to say the Clintons have been uh, the number one campaign issue, the number one registration drive. They've been the number one fundraiser for the Republicans for 16 years. Now, McCain raised some good money here uh, the past couple of days. He went. He was in Sacramento. He was in Beverly Hills, Los Angeles. Did the Tonight Show. Was in uh, San Diego at a big ritzy thing last night, where it was a thousand bucks a plate, ten thousand dollars if you wanted to get a picture with him. And so he raised some good cash while he's here. What he's going to do with all that is yet to be seen. I would imagine that's why he's cutting these TV TV spots, because he's supposed to be advertising during the DNC, yet I've not seen any of uh, the campaign ads. Uh, There may have been, but I haven't seen any. 
in, in uh, the coverage I've watched of the DNC. It's interesting to see how they, everybody is slowly falling into line behind McCain, despite all of this sort of early talk that they weren't going to support him and he wasn't re- Republican enough, wasn't conservative enough. Uh, you just It's interesting to see that just everybody is sort of slowly but surely kind of falling into place because they realize... Like this is, I think they, I think they had some weird delusion that like the tooth fairy was going to appear and give them a better candidate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they were just, well, I don't know, maybe, I mean, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe it's all a goop. Maybe this is just a stunt for like, maybe we're being punked by Ashton Kutcher and really they're going to give us the real nominee. <laughs> but I think they just realized like this is it. Like I, I guess we have no choice. Um, Bill Maher made this. Um, Bill Maher made a really, really funny joke about uh, the the beauty standard in America in terms of uh, women and models and, you know, like you talk about a lot of, like, underweight women on the Paris catwalk and so forth. And I do I, – the, the, the analogy will become clear in a moment. Bill Maher was talking about how men don't really – men don't really prefer, like, the Twiggy style. Men don't really prefer the Kate Moss style, but men are basically pigs, and so – you know, when 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 fashion sort of went through an era where they were just shoving out all these like really pencil thin women, men were just like, all right. I mean, I guess I guess this is what we're supposed to be, you know, bonking this year. Fine, whatever. I, I guess just bring it on. And and I think that's how the, that's how the Republicans are with McCain, right? Like he's not their preference, but it's like that's what they got. They said like that's what they're being given, and so I guess they'll take it because any port in a storm. Well, and and they have no choice, like you said. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it it, it is. It is interesting to say the least. I, I, uh, I don't know if we talked during the debates. I covered what three or four debates, yeah. and I always liked Joe Biden. I've always liked, you know, the way he just—he doesn't give a crap about anybody else. Right. He's going to tell you what he's going to tell you, and that's if you don't like it, you know, screw you. Right. Um, and I was so happy that I saw him back in the mix that I'm starting to think, you know, I may be an Obama supporter here if just if if just to get Joe Biden in the White House. Yeah, well, I, you know, the thing about about Biden is, and I don't, I don't pretend to know more about him than I do, but from all outside assessments, he does appear to be the sort of bare-knuckle uh, part of that uh, ticket. Uh, and I, I guess he does have a history. First of all, he talks a lot. And I know I'm no one to throw stones in that particular house made of glass. But, boy, I mean, I've, I've gone online and watched some of Joe Biden's speeches uh, just that he's given over the years. And, boy, that guy just knows how to drone. I mean, it's just... I mean, you can go out for lunch and get yourself a good schwitz uh, somewhere and come back, and he's, like, not even halfway through. But he apparently does have a real reputation for just uh, for really going after people in a kind of a street brawl kind of fashion. Yeah, see, I want him on the foreign policy side, on the other side of the table of North Korea. And I, he'll reach right over and just right. punch the guy in the face. <laughs> you will stop those <laughs> nuclear tests, man, or you'll get another black eye. That's that's you know he Biden can sort of be the enforcer half where he comes by like he comes by North Korea and goes, that's a nice country you yeah. got here. Be a shame <laughs> if something would have happened to it, huh? Yeah, I know a guy. All right, I want you to kick a little something upstairs. We'll see what we can do. Uh, well, and it does just before we wrap it up, it does really show that I think either Obama or sort of the folks around him, that you know, the brain trust that helps him put all these things together. He, that he does at least know how to identify his own weaknesses, because what's the thing you always hear about Obama, whether it's true or not? You always hear that well, he's he's you know he's, he's got great, he's very magnetic and great uh, charisma, and his persona is so positive and strong, but that there doesn't seem to be any substance or whatever, and that's what people say anyway. Uh, but he does, he seems to balance that out with Biden. So it's it's going to be a little a tough act for McCain, I would think, at this point, trying to find a number two that's going to uh, you know that's going to measure up. Yeah, but I think what's more important for McCain right now, especially after hearing what he said here in California, because he has a tendency to put his foot in his mouth, too. Right. While he's working on this on the GOP convention coming up, he needs to make sure that no matter what happens, 
there's nothing that Democrats can use in their campaign from his his convention, uh, unlike what he's going to be able to do for, from with the Democratic side. Right, state. right. So if he's that, if he's smart enough to be able to do that, and then pick a uh, you know some sort of Dennis Kucinich kind of running mate, uh, I, I think he's. Dennis Kucinich type, that is. Right. I, I think he's. Uh, I think he'll do pretty well. When you say a Dennis Kucinich type, do you mean with a head like a light bulb? <laughs> I don't mean shape-wise. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean somebody with with that sort of tenacity about him. You know, did you ever look at Dennis Kucinich and think about the Weekly World News that Bat Boy thing that used to be on the cover all the time? Alfred E. Newman, I did. You know. Seriously, did, 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 that he, he Dennis Kucinich, uh, he, he looks like when the doctor was like whatever the, the forceps or the salad spoons or whatever when they're taking the kid out, somebody gave him a good squeeze, like way. <laughs> Way too hard, you know what I mean? I don't know. Hold on, let me crank down. You know? Oops, grabbing too far in front Seriously, of the temples. He looked. Dennis Kucinich looks like one of those little pop-eyed stress ball things that you squeeze and the eyes pop out of the head. He looks exactly like that, and we all know it's true. Um, final, final note here. The thing that McCain, and you know, how would you like to be the guy who's having to go over McCain's speech for the convention? Because following this whole business of I don't remember how many houses I have. Uh, you know, they really got to make sure that he does not go off the teleprompter, that yeah. he stays on the speech of the convention. Because I got to tell you, in my perception, just me, he says something else like that, especially in front of a bunch of cameras, he's done. He's toast. I mean, the American people latch on to small, insignificant things, and they will use that as a millstone with which to drown you. Yep. So. All right, brother. Well, once again, we have solved all the problems and mysteries of this fair world. That's why you're my king. Well, uh, I was going to say you're my queen, but that just sounds weird. <laughs> That's just odd. Thank you for not saying that out loud. Right. Thank you, brother. We'll talk to you soon. All right. There you go. That's uh, Jim Roof, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Fantastic. Wondrous. Excellent. Glorious. Um, what was I going to say? Mythbusters, blah, blah, blah. Oh, so uh, just brief observation of those of you who are Mythbusters fans. A, brief observations, I guess. A, uh, don't forget Mythbusters. They're going to be coming to town. They're going to be at the, uh, the Arlene Schnitzer. Uh, at the, the, is it the concert hall? Is that what they call it? The Arlene Schnitzer Emporium, Auditorium, Concert Hall? Concert Hall, yeah. Concert Hall. They're going to be, I think that's where they're going to be. They're going to be there later on this year. And I think we are going to be giving away some additional tickets for that. So uh, be listening for all details and so forth. B, uh, I'm about halfway through the Mythbusters Shark Week Spectacular, which is wonderful because they're doing like, you know, like a lot of Jaws myths and everything. So that's fantastic. So i got to finish that up when I go home tonight after watching Mad Men. Don't call. Don't tell me anything about Mad Men. Don't email about Mad Men. I'll get it watched tonight. Going forth, heretofore, uh, furthermore, moreover, a word like that. Heretofore is one of those words that I try to use sometimes and that I realize heretofore means previous. Is that correct? I think so, yeah. Tim, does heretofore mean previous? You got me on that one. I'm not sure. Okay, I think it means previously. Yeah, I don't feel like you have to call about that either. Anyway, uh, but going forward, I will be caught up on Mad Men and then The Shield when it kicks off next Tuesday and then Battlestar. There will be no more of this uh, three days to get caught up on a television show business. <clears throat> Finally, uh, I saw an article this morning uh, that the Mythbusters guys are going to do something that they have. And everybody who watches Mythbusters has probably done this where you're like, oh, I wish they'd, I wish they'd do this myth. Like for the longest time, I kept wanting them to do the MacGyver myth, which they actually did. Um but apparently uh, there was a press release put out of this. The news story came out that they're going to be doing the moon landing alleged hoax. Uh, so Mythbusters is going to be tackling the alleged moon landing hoax. Uh, About time. Oh, man, it's fantastic. It's, so I can't wait for that. So it's, uh, it's all very exciting. So I have a question. Yes. If one disconnects their cable and then has it after a short while reconnected, yes. did you actually save any money? How do you mean? By not having cable. 
Did you? Well, because I wasn't paying for it for that period of time. Did you have to pay an additional fee to have it reinstalled? I did not. I did not. And in fact, they discounted it for six months. Oh. Uh, to, to, well, because you know, it's like that whole. Pardon me. Also, you actually save money by yes, getting Tim. disconnected and then having it reconnected. Not that we're ac- recommending that people do that. Comcast, of course, one of our fine sponsors, and I would, of course, never... Uh, I would have nothing but good things to say about them. Yes. And, and I will say this, actually, to, to full disclosure, because people have asked me about this. Uh, the reason that I got my cable scaled down for a while, and I should note, A, I kept uh, I you know kept their Internet service. And this is not like, oh, I get paid to say this or anything. I just say because it it's true. I have Comcast cable Internet, which is like the best thing the best. I've ever had. Oh, seriously. I mean, like a lot of people, I've gone through the whole, like, what is this? Well, it's my it's my lightning-fast 14.4 modem. Then we come in here, and it's like uh, riding an old Tin Lizzy. I mean, being in here, it's like you expect to open up one of the CBS computers. No offense to the IT department. I know it's not you. I know it's the national sort of corporate setup. But you really expect to open up the CBS computers and to see a bird inside pecking out something on a stone going, It's a living! Ah! Well, it's, it's Walter Cronkite speed. I feel like I'm on dial-up again. Right, I know. Yeah. It's like you're getting something over the telex. No, I don't. Hold on a second. I'm getting a mimeograph sent to me over the mojo wire. Uh, so, anyway, so I got no problem with Comcast. I mean, I said I kept their their cable internet, which I would never. I, you can have my cable internet when you pry it out of my cold, dead typing hands. That's how I feel. Oh, it is so glorious. Can I tell you when the when the com? It sounds like a big plug for Comcast, but what can you do? Uh, when the Comcast guy came to my house to, to to move us up from DSL to cable. I have to say that I was... Now, I sound like an infomercial. I have to say, at first, I was skeptical. I didn't necessarily know that it was true. He sat down. He plugs in my cable internet. And he says, uh, you know, he says, well, I forget what he did. He said, uh, he said, you know, let's... let's." We went to some website, or I think it maybe even my website, where I had, like, an MP3 posted or something. But it wasn't a Comcast site. We went to, like, my website, and there was some, some audio file that I'd posted there for people to download. And it was, like, five megs. And he goes, well, let's just see how fast this downloads. And it was, like... Like nine seconds, You're done. And at that moment, it's okay. That's it. You, I'm never going to get it. Cable tries to compete. It just can't. a cable that can, yeah. yeah that, that the Comcast internet is just fantastic. But I just in terms of the cable, I just didn't have time. There was more television in, than there were hours in which to watch it, which is still the case. But I am caught up on a lot of stuff now. Uh, so now I can really wallow back into the the glorious golden boob uh, that is television. Uh, you know, but um. What was my point? But with a lot of those things, you know, like with magazines, they used to do this especially, where you would subscribe to, like, Look Magazine or Life Magazine or something, and it would be however much a year. And then when your subscription would run out, and I think they probably still do this, they'll send you a card like, don't forget, your subscription to Rolling Stone is going to expire. And just, if you resubscribe now, you'll get the issue, you know, the savings of 80%. And then, if, I think if you hold out, now i got to clear my throat again. I'm sorry. <coughs> All right. But I think if you hold out long enough with, like, a magazine, I, I think they'll actually start paying you. I mean, look, come on. I think Jan Winter comes to your house and offers to give you three bucks an issue if you'll just Especially please keep point. subscribing. Yeah, print media is having a hard time. Yeah. So, uh, but with Comcast, you know, I scaled it back, and then when I got it reinstalled, the guy was actually like, okay, and uh, we're going to charge you, I forget exactly, you know, half price or something for six months. So, I, it really was, uh, they did make it very enticing. They, they made oh. me an offer I could not refuse, Tim Riley. Well, that's good. All right. Well, I don't remember where the point was. Mythbusters, moon landing, that's probably it. Let's take a break. Back after this, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. When we return, uh, later on, Steve Kastenbaum, the top five, and a copy of The Shield, sixth season on DVD. Stay there. Back after this.
indeed. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into comedic hilarity. Uh, so I got just a little bit of a recap on something we talked about yesterday and a follow-up. So yesterday we had this Darwin watch, and I'm going to read just a little bit of it again, because there was there's a key phrase that has now come out in subsequent printings of the article. Charlotte, North Carolina. A man who grabbed a knife to try to get his two young children out of a locked car died when he fell on the blade, Charlotte police said. Now, some of you heard us talk about this yesterday, but it's, yeah. it's, all worth it for the, it's all worth it for the final sentence. The Charlotte Observer reported that 22-year-old uh, Miguel uh, Angel Rivera Lemus died Sunday afternoon at Carolina's Medical Center for being stabbed in the chest. Lemus and his wife had dropped by their apartment briefly before planning an errand when they realized they had locked their children and keys in the car. Lemus grabbed a large butcher knife he hoped to use to pry open a window. He fell down six stairs... I don't even understand how that works, by the way, unless the... I don't know where the car would have been parked that he would then have fallen downstairs in any event. So he's trying to use a butcher knife to open the car window. He trips, falls down some stairs, lands on the knife, dead. And now, the rest of the story. Final sentence of this article. The woman then got the children out with spare keys. (laughs) Well, Harvey... Good day. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. New time news brought to you by our friends at Lace Auto Collision Centers. Bodice Collision Repair, go to Lace.com and find out what Lace can do for you, won't you? A woman has died in a downtown Portland apartment fire broke out shortly before 12.30 this morning in the 1400 block of Southwest Morrison. She was 57 years old. It was uh, mostly a retirement community. There were two tenants in the apartment on the fourth floor when the fire broke out. Uh, apparently, uh, the mattress got set on fire, so it sounds like smoking in bed. That's usually the way those things happen. Scientists at Oregon State University and the Natural History Museum in London have announced the finding of the world's oldest gecko. I mean, that's a gecko. It's a lizard. It's preserved in amber for over 100 million years. Because of the preservative powder of amber, the fossil, uh, oh, its foot remains intact. So does its toes. Modern-day geckos have the ability to cling to flat surfaces or run across the ceiling. Why is this story important? I don't really know. You're the one reading it. <laughs> well, I, the finding is at least 40 million years older than the previous old Geico. Oh, so there you go. So there was so there was a lizard that was merely very old. Now they found that was one that was exceptionally old. So I guess Oregon State University and the Natural History Museum of London teamed up to find this old uh, Geico. You know, can I just say this? Yeah. That first of all. Well, never mind. Uh, I was going to make an observation about uh, about Geico, but uh, let me just say this: that there are stories that you know intellectually in your head, you know they're important, but it's just impossible to be excited about them. I mean, you understand that it's you know the study of life and the history of evolution and our great glorious ever evolving planet and so on and blah, 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 and you know and you know and, and, and Richard Attenborough you know creating dinosaurs at Jurassic Park from things caught in amber, but. But I just don't care. I don't care that they found the foot of a lizard. I'm sure somebody cares, and God bless you, whoever you might be. Doesn't matter to me at all. Archaeologists say the remains of four people and 12 graves from the 19th century. These are old white settlers in the Willamette Valley. They've been uncovered since they're building a new hospital in Springfield. A back co-operator spotted what appeared to be a human bone. 
So the archaeologists were digging in, and now they describe their findings. The remains are believed to be from the Stevens family, possibly the first white family in the town of Springfield. The family had buried a dozen members at the site in the mid-1800s, but in 1901, eight were relocated. It's possible that the four get left behind and were marked by wooden crosses that fell over and rotted. So uh, apparently... Their graves were marked. Wait, so wait, but and now were, was something built on top of this, or were they? Yeah, they're building a new hospital. Seems like there's some joke there about what happens if you build a hospital on the on the white person burial ground. Mm-hmm. All your khakis go missing. Now I can do better than that. I think so. Your uh, wait, no, 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 I got nothing. No, I have uh, no. There's not. I'll work on it. I'll I'll come back to that joke later on. Think right. about it. It's Tim Riley. Well, let's see if she's laughing now. A driver inhaled laughing gas before a crash that killed her passenger. A 25-year-old Albany woman inhaled laughing gas while she was driving. Do they have mobile laughing gas now? Well, I think doesn't it come in tanks or canisters? Or... I believe it does. Hey, let me ask you this. Uh, I say to the uh, assembled room, the, the, is laughing gas just nitrous oxide? Mm-hmm. And is nitrous oxide the stuff inside like Ready Whip? I, I think they use nitrous. It's what makes the whipped cream turn from cream to whipped outside of the container. But, I mean, is it, but is it the same thing? Because you always, you know, because I, I, anybody who's worked in the food service industry, we've all worked with a guy, in my case, a guy named Paul, who was the uh, the line cook or chef or whatever, but occasionally Paul would just vanish into the walk-in cooler and then come out with a big, dopey smile on his face. And then later on, I'd have to make a creme brulee, and sometimes people went uh, whipped cream on that. And so I would then get the ready whip and just... And nothing would come out because, of course, Paul had gone in there and huffed all the gas out of it. So I'm wondering if this is the same gas. Cause I maybe, think so. so maybe she was just inhaling, uh, you know, like you can just eat it from Ready Whip or something. Uh, one of the passengers died in the crash. He's been charged with manslaughter in the second degree, two counts of assault with a second degree. Driving under the influence of intoxicants, she inhaled the nitrous oxide from a tank. She was carrying laughing gas in the tank in her car, apparently. Uh, the investigation is ongoing. What's left to investigate? I have no idea. I mean, really, does it does seem like you don't have to be Encyclopedia Brown to put that together. All the pieces seem to be extant. Uh, you know, you've got a car wreck. You've got a woman at the wheel who is what? It, wait, there's the woman who is driving who is allegedly high, correct? Yes. And then there was a huge tank of nitrous oxide, uh-huh. which I would think this is just my estimation. I'm not saying this is the case. Merely my, uh, I'm simply opining as a pundit. Um, uh, but it seems to me like that's a thing you would almost certainly have to steal from a dental office or something. Now, you can't just buy that. Unless you are a dentist or know somebody who's a dentist, or you forge some sort of dental license. Well, there was a couple parties in college where somehow a kid had gotten a hold of a tank somehow. Yeah, see, but I mean, I think it's a thing that it has to get lifted from a medical office somewhere. Like I, know they, I do believe nitrous oxide is, in fact, a controlled substance, but I don't really know the answer to that. So, all right. Business owners in Southeast have hired a private security firm to move the homeless people off private property. Members of the Central East Side Industrial Council say they're tired of shopping carts, piled with tarps and sleeping bags sitting on their doorsteps. Uh, they don't belong in our property, and they don't belong in our doorways. Well, that is correct. Uh, so uh, they've hired private securities to uh, kick out homeless people and then work with them to move away. In which order, I don't know. Private officers can arrest anyone, but they can roust people out of property. Well, I mean, it seems, I can, I mean, I can sort of understand exa- why they would do that because it seems like even though that is, because it is illegal, right? You're some yeah. homeless guy, you can't just go like sleep it off in somebody's doorway. Mm-hmm. But not the same. But the cops probably got better things to be doing, and the cops probably don't want to come and roust some lice-infested, uh, you know, the, the, the grubby nitwit, you know, from the sidewalk. 
Uh, because then, you know, the guy's just going to come back like 10 minutes later. Yeah. Uh, you know, memory like a goldfish. And so then the cops are going to have to come back. So it seems like hiring private security is probably the way to go. And by the way, let me just uh, say this. Uh, before everybody, you know, because Portland, you know, Portland really is a great city, but it is a city of contrast. And this, the thing that makes Portland such a great city is we are just a, such a glittering tapestry of conflicting opinions. Uh, but I, you know, you get people who are really sort of homeless advocates and, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 you know, the, 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 really in favor of, of homeless rights and the homeless whatever, which is all really good and well in theory. And I understand love for your fellow man and not hiding your light under a bushel and, you know, however, howsoever ye treat the least among my children is how ye treat me and so forth. But, you know, I came out of my house one day, homeless guy doing a number two in my driveway, you know. And so just think about the you know, homeless guy using my driveway as though it were a sit-down toilet. So really, there is some there is something to be said for the premise of just getting them to go somewhere else. Jesus. The crazy guy that shouted at Aaron last Friday out in the parking lot out back. Look, I don't think I am speaking on attorney either when I say that a great number of the homeless are scary. Uh, and I'm not just talking in terms of body odor. I mean, a lot of those homeless guys, you have just have no... I don't mean no, to sound... deranged maniacs. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I don't mean to seem like, well, they're all out for blood. I mean, I don't... That doesn't sound like something that terrified suburban... All they need is love and understanding. Uh, they don't. They need, and, and as George Carlin once said, they don't need homes either. They need houses. They, they, need, they need to be pressure washed. Oh. I got mugged by a street kid when I was 16. So well, yeah. see, street kids are the worst. <laughs> see, there's a, there is like an A... The gutter punks are the absolute worst. I mean... If there is such a thing as a uh, as a homeless person social structure or ladder, they are at the very bottom strata. There, uh, I mean, it's one thing if you're like some guy, you're 60, you're you're just nuts, uh, you know, your brain is just full of holes or something. I mean, I think we can all agree that the, the, the American social structure does have any number of um, cracks through which uh, folks occasionally fall. Anybody who works with uh, you know sort of older veterans, especially, knows that that's the case. You're some goddamn 17-year-old out there just having your own personal stink fest, smoking cigarettes, pregnant out the here with a dog at the end of a piece of twine. Punching kids in the head and stealing their Christmas presents. Is that yeah. what happened to you? Yeah. In, it was in the middle of the Christmas shopping season at Pioneer Square, and nobody stopped nothing. I, I was just by myself, and all of a sudden... Pow, and yeah. they took my stuff. I mean, I think I think we can all agree that in the vast uh, panoply of the human experience, there are just a whole lot of people that are just losers. And I don't mean that all the homeless are losers. There's losers all over. I don't care where you are right now, office, school, workplace, church. You look around, two-thirds of the people around you are just dumb. They just are. It's just that some of them end up dumb and poor and without homes, and then they're on the street holding up a sharpened screwdriver and asking you for five bucks. So that being said... Uh, whatever happened to that Dignity Village thing? Weren't they all supposed to be hanging out oh, there? Oh, I think it's still there. All right. Maybe they named something else, like the Emerald City. It might attract more people. <laughs> weren't they doing oh, something? Like, weren't, they, weren't they all gathered and busy stinking up the joint in front of the in front of the courthouse or in front of the city hall or something? Oh, yeah. Uh, downtown's full of criminals running around all the time anyway. Really? But you're right when you say just a good pressure washing is needed. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there you go. So no, downtown is full of people who have just been released from something. Usually, in t- <laughs> you know, someplace behind bars. I was like seeing them carry around their little plastic bags that the jail gives them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, all right. A 14-year-old skateboarder was hurt last night when he lost control of his board down a hill and was hit by a car. Isaac Haskins of Kaiser was uh, life-lighted to Dornbecker's Children's wow. Hospital with life-threatening injuries. Uh, the team was riding a skateboard down the hill at 9.30 at night. That seems dark. like a good idea. In, in the, the dark. dark. I'm sure he was wearing dark clothes, too. Uh-huh. But he lost control and entered the intersection of Wallace Road. 
when he was hit by a 1974 Dodge Dart. Oh, you don't want to be hit by a Dodge Dart. Well, there can't be too many of them left. And unfortunately, who's going to pay for the damage on the Dodge Dart? It was driven by a 19-year-old from Salem. That is uh, that is the real question here, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just tell you, first of all, I think I can speak for everybody who's ever ridden in it. My parents had a 1974 Dodge Dart, actually. Uh, pea soup green. Mm-hmm. And so I will say this, that Dodge Dart is almost certainly completely and totally without damage. Uh, I don't even, probably not even, I mean, you give that you give that bumper just a good, uh, a good rubbing, probably back to normal. I can't say that for the uh, kid who decided to skateboard down a hill at 9.30 at night in the dark. But that Dodge Dart is fine. It's like driving a Packard, man. You just give that thing a good washing. You are good to just scrape out whatever's in the grill. You are back to 100%. You don't want to screw with a Dodge Dart. Those things are just made out of steel and pain and death and hate and good old American know-how. That, 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 I don't, I mean, that Dodge Dart, when I think back on it, that Dodge Dart. Uh, Did by that the, look like a Plymouth Duster? It, uh, had, it was sort of um, pointier, if that makes any sense. Like, it was more angular, if I remember correctly. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about cars, but I will say the Dodge Dart is sort of like uh, the old late 70s Bonneville, if you remember that. My grandparents drove a Bonneville uh, with a little Avon decanter shaped like a mule hanging from the rearview mirror because they were classy. Because that's how you do it in Silverton. Um, that's how you. That's how you. That's how you roll when you're a when when you're a small town Oregonian. Um, but uh, but the Dodge Dart was sort of like a Bonneville, but instead of having any rounded ed- edge at all, like instead of anything being sort of smooth or gently sloping, everything was like pointed and razor sharp. You lean on that car in the wrong place, you cut yourself six inches deep. Uh, but that car must have weighed five hundred thousand pounds. I remember my dad driving me to school one time at the Dodge Dart, and even then I looked like a tool. I mean, even in, like, 1975, you looked dumb doing that. But my dad driving me to school on the Dodge Dart, and it's like you had to start braking five miles before the light because the thing, I mean, it was so heavy, it's like it had its own gravity. So, yeah, you don't want to, it's like skateboarding into a wall made out of sharp things. So, well, maybe his friends will draw from this the lesson that you shouldn't do that sort of a thing. Hmm? What do you think? They never learn. No, they don't, Tim. Two people accused of invading a man's apartment in Beaverton while they posed as police officers have been arrested. Uh, the two arrests have been made after a man was attacked inside his Cedar Street apartment earlier this week. Justin Mwuki was hit with a club and a taser by a man and a woman. The attackers also used pepper spray. The woman who also lives in the apartment complex was awoken in the commotion. Uh, she was then taken away by the man and woman before being released. Police said they didn't believe the attack was a random act. It happened about uh, 10, oh, 10.30 a.m. They have not re- released the identity of the two people involved in the case, which is kind of strange. Why isn't that they're not releasing the identity of the two people? I don't know. Unless they're juveniles. Well, you know, and we, we have these stories sometimes where something happens, and then for whatever reason they will not identify one of the principals. It's very unfair. Yeah. I uh, Can you hand me that story? Sure. Maybe I'll complain about it later. Maybe I'll complain about it later, loudly, to people who don't really care. Two people accused of invading a man's apartment have been arrested. But they identified the victim, hit with a club and a taser. Mm-hmm. They used pepper spray. Well, you know, that, that doesn't make any sense. You would think that even in the article, if they were juveniles, they would, in fact, give that fact. They would say, the suspects who are not being identified due to their juvenile status are blah, 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 blah. But they don't do that at all. Where is this? This is from Fox? No, that this is. This is from or oh. Fox, well, Fox 12, I mean. Yeah. Well, all right. doesn't make any sense. Oh, by the way, Richie wants it known that he's a, quote, expert on nitrous oxide. Let's all be shocked. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, We're trying to get back to our all calls within 10 minutes today. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? 
Greetings from beautiful Sandy. How are you? I'm well. Um, I actually went to school with a kid who who was riding around on his stomach on a skateboard in dark clothes, got run over by a car and lost his arm. And of course, he sued the crap out of the person and got a huge settlement. Maybe he should just maybe should have sued the sun for not being brighter at you know ten yeah. o'clock at night. All right. right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then as far as the nitrous goes, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty certain that that's the same stuff that like uh, racers use to like boost up their car. Well, you that know, is like hit the nose. That is true. Uh, that is true. In fact, if uh, I never put that together, actually, there's that energy drink uh, called Nas. That's probably where that comes from. Uh, yeah. Of course, if you remember the uh, the late 70s cop show Chips, there was that episode where there was a race car driver who had strapped a huge nitrous oxide, uh, oxide tank uh, to the top of his car, and then he hit the switch to gain uh, extra acceleration. And then he he was like it like the hose broke or he got too much or whatever and it like rocketed him off a bridge like into the side of a mountain or something. I remember and then I remember Ponch had to go clean him. Go well, this is a real mess. So nice before my time, but sweet nonetheless. Uh, thank you, sir. You're welcome. All right, there you go. Well, file that away for file that away for future reference. Tim Chips uh, Chips observations may in fact be over the uh, heads of most of the audience. Um, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hi, Rick. I, that guy, last guy just kind of stole my thunder a little bit about the nitrous oxide, but mm -hmm. I was going to say it should be readily available in racing shops and stuff like that because a lot of guys use it. Is that true? See, I thought it was – realize now I'm saying this based solely on an episode of Chips that I saw 30 years ago. I thought it would be illegal. No, it's uh, – well, technically it's illegal to use it on the street and have it in your vehicle, but uh -huh. it's legal to buy and use it like on the track and stuff. But, I mean, people still use it in their vehicles on All the right. street. It's, it's not super common. Or it's like uh, – it's like here's the thing that's like that. Um, if you go into um, uh, I don't know what they're, if they're called pro shops, the casinos, but sometimes you'll go into a casino, especially if it's a casino in a smaller town or something. You go into the sort of card room or the you know the gift shop where they sell you know whatever they sell chips and they sell uh, cards and they sell shirts and dice and whatever. You will go into some casinos, and casinos will sell little packages of beeswax. And it's amazing that they do that because, to my knowledge, the only use of beeswax when you are playing cards is to mark cards. People will use beeswax, and they'll uh, put it like in a shirt button or something. And then while they are playing, they will get a little bit of the wax on a fingernail, and they will put it on the edge of a card, and they will mark the card with it. And yet sometimes you go into a gift shop at a casino, and they'll be selling beeswax, and its only purpose is to cheat, as far as I know. So that's kind of interesting. So this is just like that. Yeah, basically. <laughs> what is your name, sir? Chris. All right, Chris, you call us any time, my friend. I do. All right, thank you. All right, let's do uh, one more, then we'll continue with the uh, continue with the news. Uh, really? All right, uh, Richie, Richie, can you just come into the studio, please? All right. Richie wants to talk about the nitrous oxide. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Full time listener. Thank you, sir. Um, I just posted a thing on Sarah's MySpace, a video that's mm -hmm. totally a worst song ever candidate. Uh, what is it, sir? lunch. I don't know why Amy Winehouse is famous, but there's a video of her with some church lady singing Michael Jackson's Beat It in front of you know, live. And it looked like they didn't even rehearse it. She's off time. She's out of tune. She's it, it, It's horrible. Excellent. And then the other chick sings and everything's going good and then Winehouse opens her I don't know, meth yap again. And it's, her meth yap. It, it's so glorious and horrible and you just want to punch her and I oh you got to check it out. Okay, first of all, I will. Second of all, though, meth yap, even if the rest of this call had just been you making gurgling sounds in the back of your throat, meth yap make this, makes this entire call worthwhile. Hey, check out all my cool scabs. Thank you. 
And another thing. I knew that one was coming. But, you know, meth yap was so good, I let him, uh, I just had to let him get away with it. Her meth yap. All right, we'll, uh, we'll check that out, sir. All right, let's, uh, now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show, our intrepid PA, Richie Bristol. Hello. Hello. How are you doing today? Good. How hungover are you today on a scale of 1 to 50? 1 to 50? 20. Really? That's higher than I expected. You sound like you got it all uh, together today. Yeah, kind of. I'm still recuperating from the weekend. All right. Maybe you're just on your way to becoming a truly functional alcoholic. <laughs> Great. Good for you, Richie. <laughs> if you really put the work in, you could probably have that nailed like by the end of next year or so. Sweet. All right. Uh, all right. Please to talk about nitrous oxide. What am I getting right? What am I getting wrong? Uh, NOS is actually nitrous oxide with sulfur in it. That's what you use in racing cars and stuff like that. And okay. that sulfur will kill you. So you, so if you're using it on your race car, you don't want to be huffing. No, that's got sulfur in that's it. It's not the idea. same as medical grade, say, uh, right. pharmaceutical NO2, which is nitrous oxide. Or oxide. the canisters that they use for whipped cream. Yeah, it's, it's kind of the same, but it's not like medical grade uh, hippie crack. That's the slang term. So where it. would one, theoretically, I don't know anything about this woman in the story, but theoretically, where would you get a canister of nitrous oxide, a tank of nitrous oxide? Well, a tank you can't get a hold of legally. It's, it's. I mean, theoretically. Theoretically, you can't legally. But I mean, how would you, not that we're advocating this, but I'm saying if someone was of a mind to break the law, if someone was of, of a criminal bent, uh, how would they do that? Uh, well, back in the raving days, they didn't have a bob wire and whatnot on fences at dental places. And you used to be able to fill up uh, U-Haul trucks full of it, have somebody drive you around, and have a bunch of people in the back of a U-Haul truck sucking down nitrous balloons. Theoretically. Theoretically. I know a friend who works at a um, porn store in town, and they actually sell canisters whippets. That, of whippets. Yeah, where it's now, that's like, different. That's amyl nitrate. Uh, so I'm told. But you can get know. that at Taboo. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let's end this conversation. <laughs> Thank you, Richie. Okay. All right. Before anybody incriminates themselves. My word. Yeah, let's, uh, let's move on. Here's Tim Riley. So a snake floats into a flooded Florida home and nearly bites a woman during a TV interview. Really? This is from our friends at Local6.com. Where, where's that at? Florida. Oh. That's all me right yeah. there. That was pure Rick. All right. So, Kristen, if I'm potted up over there. You are. Uh, we'll roll this from uh, Local6. Actually, here we go. Six. Lori Hark's furniture is up on blocks after losing the battle against the floodwaters last night. A berm built out of 1,000 sandbags gave way around midnight as Lake Monroe continues to rise. I got up out of bed to get a bottle of water and I stepped in water. And we started running through the house, flipping the lights on, and it was coming in from every direction at once. The berm breached and the water had nowhere to go but inside, so when it came, it came fast, and like we were almost to our knees. Park, who had dry floors just 24 hours ago, discovers the waters aren't her only concern. Wow. And a snake about that long just skidded right across in front of me, and I screamed and went straight up in the air about two feet. So yeah, I think pretty much everything that's in there now is gonna stay. Residents say the water level is- Wow. Well, there you go. So that's where that that is in Florida. And so this is uh, now. This is because of. Is this because of the last storm or the, a new storm? They're or? always having storms. It's no place to live. It is so. I, I mean, I, I hate to keep making this observation, but it's so hard to keep track of what's going on in that state. I mean, it's like that entire state is just. It was like it was made out of the defective parts of other states. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It was like everything wrong with every other state got isolated and then they stitched together one entire Florida shaped quilt out of it. The refuse. Totally. It's yeah. like it is it, 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 to make a twins uh, where it is the Danny DeVito 
uh, to everybody else's Arnold Schwarzenegger down there. Uh, so, all right. Well, a 20-foot snake. Well, that's probably the least of your words. I mean, really, you run outside, the odds are one in three. Some guy's going to stab you with something. So, I mean, six of one, half a dozen of the other, I guess. All right, here's Tim Riley. Then from Orlando comes word. They're planning a Disney-themed children's hospital. Disney Children's Hospital at Florida Hospital. Well, that seems redundant. The official na- Oh, that's the official name. Disney Children's Hospital at Florida Hospital. Announced that they will have a sophisticated interactive technology for patients as well as pediatric physicians who specialize in advanced minimally invasive surgery. It's the stitchiest place on earth, Tim. So does that mean they're going to be uh, like the Roadrunner Hospital in, in uh, Warner Brothers characters at another one? Well, if they can be Disney characters, why can't they be other cartoon characters in another franchise? I guess that's in another children's hospital. We, we, I guess we could do that because you were going that way in my head, though, and because it's a Disney hospital. I was just, of course, imagining some, you know, terrified child getting ready to have some sort of, you know, having his gallbladder taken out, and then suddenly there's just a big guy dressed like Mickey Mouse leaning over the operating table, wielding a scalpel. Try to get that thought out of your head, you know? Ha ha! All right, bite down on this, you know? I, or you know the. Wiley Coyote cutting an anvil loose and having a land. Ah, I need you to turn your head and cough. Ah. You're gonna feel the slight pressure on the back of your prostate. Ah. <laughs> Come on, that's funny. It is. Sons of bitches. <laughs> Are there any more? Or is that the end of it? I, I've gone to the prostate. Where else can you go? Where can you go from the prostate, Tim? I uh, I think I'm. I think I've I think I've bottomed out there. I, I don't really know that there's any other uh, humor left in that particular vein. Here's Tim Riley. In that particular vein? You know what I'm saying. Uh, time for a geek watch. Here's your geek watch oh. for uh, whatever this is. Wednesday. This high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar Dilemma, remember, you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... Now, just listen on there. There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. Part 1. The UK's Advertising Standards Authority has banned an iPhone ad because the agency said the claim... Well, it claims that the headset can access all parts of the Internet. It is misleading due to the lack of Flash and Java support. The commercial in question shows a person using the touch screen to flick through various web pages. You never know which part of the Internet you'll need, the voiceover says. The do-you-need-sun-cream part? The what's-happening part? Or what about an ocean view from your room part? This doesn't translate well being read, does well, it? Well, they're British. Uh, so, but viewers complain that the ads are misleading because the handset does not have Flash or Java support. I think that's the thing. And so I think I've, I've heard, I, I think that's the same here. I don't have an iPhone, but I think that's the same here where there's a lot of, and in fact, to be fair, on my BlackBerry, it's the same way. I mean, I, my BlackBerry really is an amazing, but it's the best phone I've ever had. Uh, but there, and, and the, the web browser actually is really, really good. Uh, it, it, it actually functions very well, but there are certain web pages, like uh, YouTube and so forth, that you just can't watch on my BlackBerry. And I keep waiting for them to do some sort of a software or firmware or spongyware, whatever it is, that, that some, that some kind of wear uh, upgrade on this that's going to fix that. But I think it's the same thing with the iPhone. I think the iPhone either doesn't or didn't do like just straight flash because I think that was for a while that was why you weren't able to listen to this show on the iPhone because you couldn't do just like a straight flash player uh, which is why you have to use that AOL web application which now does make it possible to listen to this very fine radio program anywhere in the world your iPhone gets service but but this is the thing about the iPhone though is that it is they've almost done their marketing job a little too well 
Because, I mean, when they said they're being taken off the air for false claims, I mean, the false claim the iPhone ought to be pursued for is that you know, the, the iPhone, which claimed it was the second coming of Jesus, has now been revealed to really just be a phone. It's just a telephone. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't mean to sound like a Luddite about it, but it's just a goddamn phone. Uh, so it doesn't do everything, but, not, you know, no phone does everything. But the thing, about, the thing about Apple is they have so streamlined their marketing that really you do get the idea that when you go in and you buy an iPhone or a MacBook or an Airbook or an iThis or whatever, that really it's going to do everything up to and including diagnosing and then curing your malignant tumors. Uh, and, you know, we're still a little bit from that. It does seem like we ought to be in an era where I ought to be able to just open up the web browser on my phone and look at anything I want to. And I'm not smart enough to understand why that doesn't work, but I know that it doesn't. So, uh, you know, there, there are many, many miles to go before we sleep, Tim. TiVo is launching a new service that will automatically record television programs listed in Entertainment Weekly's What to Watch recommendations. <clears throat> the partnership allows the two powerful properties to work together <laughs> to create a more seamless television viewing experience for their respected audiences. Now, see, I am, though, see, now we go. You have to talking about people having unrealistic and sort of godlike expectations uh, of the iPhone. I am that way about the TiVo. I am about the TiVo, the way that other people are about their iPhone, their iTouch, their, their whatever. Um, remind me to, one second here. I'm going to make an observation about the iTouch in a second. Uh, first of all, the iTouch is a creepy name. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like a it's like the it's like the Catholic Church's phone system. Um, the um, but uh, TiVo, blah blah blah. So the TiVo really is, as uh, I think Michael Powell of the FCC said, uh, the TiVo is God's own machine. Uh, it really is just the most incredible device ever created. It is just wondrous beyond all of my powers to explain. But here's the, and the, you know you can listen to the show on the TiVo now. That's on, what I hear. You can listen to podcasts of the Rick Emerson show and presumably of Musicology or whatever else on the TiVo. Got any more guys like, hey, I'm listening to your show on the TiVo, rah, you know, or whatever, woot or something. Uh, That's really interesting. It is fantastic. Yeah. You can do, I mean, I can I can uh, watch movies or TV shows directly from Amazon.com right on my TiVo. Like you miss an episode of uh, Dexter, you miss, uh, you know, you, you want to see, uh, like, you know, whatever. You want to see some movie that just came out and you missed it and it's on DVD. My TiVo goes right to Amazon, bam, the movie or the TV show. I mean, all the way, like seasons and seasons worth of TV shows, thousands of them. It goes right to my TiVo. Well, traditional Terrestrial broadcasting is becoming old hat. Right? Well, it's it's a small part of a bigger world. I would say that, yes, it was one slice in a many-sliced pie. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, it, it, so it, the other great thing about the TiVo, they're going to be doing this thing where you can... This is so great and dangerous. The TiVo, they're going to be doing this thing where you will be able to watch a television program. And as items appear on the screen, sort of just being used, you'll be able to buy them. In other words, you'll be able to watch, the, you'll be able to watch TV and go... I really like those shoes that Jennifer Aniston has. Buy, and there's just going to yeah. be a big-ass button on your TV that says, buy this, and you will be able to buy things that you see on the screen, which is just fills me with anticipation and dread and wonder and horror, like all at once. Uh, I really like the lipo section Joan Rivers has. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to look like an anorexic scarecrow. I like Cher's hair. <laughs> and the, Tim, you probably can buy that, actually. Uh, I bet you Richie has it. Uh, so that so the TiVo really is uh, it is it is fantastic. So what is it? So what is this latest thing they're doing? I know you just read it, but I'm oh I wasn't listening. to Okay. Me. Uh, apparently you can do more with it. But they're going to be doing some other thing. It's starting with Entertainment Weekly's What to Watch recommendations. Oh well, that's why it's interesting than all the stuff I just talked about. But TiVo really is a. It it's like it's a, it's a, I have no idea how I lived without that. What are you showing me? Is that a Dodge Dart? Yeah, Marconi sent it to you. Hey, thank you, Marconi. <laughs> that is a Dodge Dart. That does look like a duster. That's not the cool. We didn't have the cool one with that 
intake thing on top, whatever that thing is called. Yeah, the, top the, Plymouth, of the, the Plymouth Duster was the Dodge Dart, was that not so? I don't really know. Mm-hmm. The Dodge Dart, see, in my memory, maybe this is just like a some sort of a fallacy that I'm having now retrospectively, uh, but I but it, it, the Dodge Dart in my memory seems much more angular and sort of uh, longer and thinner and sort of jutting out at odd angles. I could be wrong about that. All right, well, whatever. The duster lasted forever. I will say, Why is something called a duster? I don't know, but I will say this: I have uh, I have pleasant memories of the, of the of the duster, the automobile. And again, I'm not much of a car guy, but we had this friend, and I think everybody had this growing up. Growing up, your parents, uh, sometimes an older sibling, but uh, often your parents would have one friend who seemed like kind of a badass. He seemed kind of cool. And in my case, my dad had this friend named Bill. And Bill seemed like he was a kind of a rogue, you know, sort of out there, like on the open road, doing his own thing, not playing by the man's rules. In retrospect, he just looked like that guy uh, who lived next door to Peter Gibbons in office space. That guy, hey, Peter, man, the breast chick is on. It, he, I think he was just like that. But when I was a kid, he was like, Bill is so cool. And Bill, because Bill played the drums, I think, in a rock band. And so he was just like a god to me. He seemed like the greatest guy ever. And he drove a duster that was Sort of the black version of primer gray. It was like this matte black color, like almost like a primer black, if that makes sense. Uh, and then he had like he had like handcuffs or something, something hanging from the rearview mirror, and I was like, Bill is the coolest guy ever. It was sort of like he was like the Todd to my childhood Beavis and Butthead, because there's that guy that Todd is cool, and Todd is that guy, the blonde-haired guy with the mullet that just beats Beavis and Butthead senseless all the time, but they think he's righteous. That's what this guy was like, and he drove a duster. And I don't know if the Duster qualifies. It's not an actual muscle car, though, is it? No. I don't really. I, uh, because it didn't... A, if a Duster was a ladies' car. That's not true. Yes. Really? Is the Duster a ladies' car? I was, would think so. Was Bill driving a ladies' car? Oh, he wasn't nearly as cool well, as I thought he was. Well, I, I, it, it depends on your, like the Camaro at one time was a uh, guy's car, then it became a girl's car. We've totally had that discussion. The Camaro, I think, all through the 60s was a guy car. And then the Camaro became a chick car. In the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, see also the Corvette. Corvette went through the same thing. The Corvette, you know, about the Corvette Stingray. Uh, Corvette, the Corvette Stingrays, that's all That's all man right there. I mean, Otter drove one in Animal House. Uh, but then, you know, you get them like that that, 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 um, that scoop hood, uh, the Corvette, that started appearing like in Beach Boys videos in the 80s or whatever. That's a complete chick car. That is not a car for men. What are we talking about? Oh, a little bit of everything. What do you want to talk about next? I don't know. Is that the end of the Geek Watch? I think it ended a long time ago. Wow. That's the end of the Geek Watch, like forever ago. Grab Star's hammer by the Sons of Warband. I shall avenge you. Next. Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. All right. I think listening to the show is what it feels like to have ADD. That would just be my guess. But if anybody out there is sort of wondering, you know, like, you know, what, what ADHD feels like, I think if you just put on headphones and close your eyes and just listen to the show for a few hours, I think you will get a good approximation of what ADD probably feels like. Well, the scariest part is it all feels so normal to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, it's like growing up in an abusive household. Suddenly you don't know any other way to love. Uh, let's see. Well, let's do these calls, then we'll break because we're a little over time here. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey, Tammy Kirsten. What's Hello. up? Uh Got some car stuff for you. I think uh, somebody already said that nitrous uh, for cars has sulfur in it. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, so when it leaks, I mean, you can smell it. And if you know people are buying it, trying to get high, they'll just get sick off of it. Yeah, it's apparently all uh, killy if you inhale it. Yeah. And the, I think uh, the Duster was uh, considered a muscle car back in the day. Same with darts. I mean, uh, 
<clears throat> mainly a lot of anything American between about 65 and 72. Those were considered muscle cars. And so I was just going to say, so the definition of a muscle car is what, something in which the engine power and the acceleration uh, ability was sort of paramount? Well, like a... It's a, basically a small body, a small to mid-sized body with a high horsepower motor. Right. I remember uh, driving in, because uh, a Trans Am, I mean, I don't know, they even make Trans Ams anymore? They can't. There's no way they can make no. those things. But I remember, uh, you know, was it a Trans Am that I was at? Some guy that I went to school with had, like, you know, one of those cars, and it's like, you know, you turn it on, and you can hear it three counties over, even as it's idling. It's just a... And we got in and like, drive to 7-Eleven for lunch or something, because we were cool. And I remember him just barely touching the gas pedal in that thing, and it was like my neck snapped back like I was in like I was in a, a supersonic airplane. It was unbelievable. I mean, and I, I you know, and I'm not the manly like in the strictest sense of the word, but even I was like, this is so righteous. This is the best thing that's ever happened. So, muscle cars. Do they still make muscle cars now? What would a muscle car in 2008 be? Do you think? Like, <clears throat> like now it's a you know they're still making the, the Ford Mustangs. Yeah. Like those new Ford Mustangs and GTs and their uh, Dodge is coming. They're re-releasing the new Challenger. Yeah. Same with the Chevy. They're coming out with the Camaro again. And I can I tell you this? This was uh, not me. Someone similar to me but legally distinct from me um, was riding in the brand new Ford Mustang with someone similar to but legally distinct from Dennis Pitzenbarger. And uh, these two people who were not us because that would be wrong. These two people were on a, a, a straightaway flat stretch of road when the guy who was not Dennis Pitsenbarger just floored it. And I have to tell you, I have never, uh, th that person who's not me has never gripped uh, like the, the hand thing or whatever it is, the little hand cushion at the inside of the door. The handrail has never been gripped harder than when I saw the, when that person saw the speedometer going over like 120 miles an hour. I mean, you want to talk about. That's a that's a thing that'll that'll tighten up sensitive parts of your anatomy. How it was when I rode my friend in my friend's BMW M5. Like I could not lift my neck off of the headrest. It at was all. unreal. It was there were moments when I, he, uh, it's like I could he could feel the wheels almost coming off the road. It's like we were literally going to launch into space. Yeah. So, all right. Thank you, sir. And this uh, may sound like gibberish to you, but my brother's got a '67 Chevelle uh, 427, and when he gets on that, you just it's like you're blasting off. Yeah, you, I you, you feel the G's. I mean, really, it's like I, I, I kept I kept waiting for just the moment when the wings pop out and like you know then we start flying over Gotham. All right, thank oh, you. No, one one yeah. quick uh, geek observation. Yeah. Uh, th things from another world in Milwaukee has a working flux capacitor. <sighs> Wait a minute, what do you mean it's a working flux well, capacitor? Well, I mean, I mean it won't you know won't take you back or forward in time, but I mean it's the box that looks just like from the car and it lights up and stuff and it's got the diodes and. That is so the, cool. Yeah. All right, we uh, attention. How much does it cost? Do you think? Uh, I don't know if they had it for sale, so I would. Oh man, that's for sale. Probably three hundred. Oh, I was going to say I'm going to try to find some discretionary budget uh, for you for the station. That's going to go in the station vehicle. That's going to go in the AM970 vehicle if I have anything to say about it. Thank you, my friend. Best show ever. All right, thank you, sir. Uh, all right, uh, well we have to break. Uh, if you're on hold, hang tight. We'll come back. We'll get your calls. Uh, some folks on hold. Uh, somebody about the PSP. Another car observation. If you're on hold, hang tight. We'll do more phone calls when we return. It's five zero three. 733-2970-503-733-2970 more from Tim Riley later on uh, our next entrant in the birth of a salesman contest uh, we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum and we'll do the top five stay there
it's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. Don't forget, coming up later on, I'll be giving away a a copy of The Shield, the entire sixth season. Don't miss the final uh, on DVD. Don't miss the final season of The Shield, which premieres next Tuesday at 10 p.m. only on FX. And pick up The Shield Season 6 in stores August 26th from Sony Pictures uh, Home Entertainment. So that is all this week. We're going to be giving away copies of The Shield, the entire sixth season on DVD. Next week, we will be giving away, yes, it's true, the 15th anniversary collection of, or not collection, whatever it is, edition, installment, and I'm bluffing on the 15th anniversary, too. We're going to be giving away the special edition of The Bodyguard, uh, the two-DVD set, jam-packed with the special features and things and stuff. So, uh, anyway, so that's next week, uh, The Bodyguard uh, special edition, and then I think, I didn't want to say it out loud, I think, but I'm not sure, should I hint at something we might be giving away, even though it might not happen? Yes, because we always promise things we don't deliver. Excellent. Um, so I do believe that within the next few weeks uh, we'll be giving away. Uh, I don't, and I think it's. I don't think it's an anniversary edition. I think it's just like the definitive, once and for all. Finally, this is the real deal, the ultimate edition of one of the greatest movies ever made, Cool Hand Luke. Uh, so that'll be in a few weeks, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, all this week, though, copies of The Shield, the sixth season, uh, on DVD. Coming up here in a short while on KCMD Portland, we will be uh, talking to our next birth of a salesman entrant, Steve Kastenbaum, live from the CNN Grill in Denver, Colorado. Later on, Mr. Skin will do the top five, as well as a mystery top five. This, however, is Tim Riley. Well, the head of the Snohomish County Republican Party is apologizing after the organization's booth at the Evergreen Fair in Monroe, Washington, sold... $3 bills depicting Barack Obama wearing Arab headgear and featuring a camel. Wow. Jerry Mondrell, the Snohomish County Republican chairwoman, said a volunteer brought the bills to the fair thinking they were funny. Not so funny now, is it, funny man? So my first reaction, oh, one person said, was, are you kidding me? Even the person is a Muslim. But so what? But Barack Obama is not. Uh, so they complained to the Republican Party officials. Uh, this woman named Mondrell of the Snohoma County GOP says she immediately called her volunteers at the fairgrounds to ensure the $3 bills were removed. She later went to the fairgrounds to make sure no other offensive materials are being offered by Republicans. <laughs> it's funny It's funny that she didn't specify what other offensive materials she was afraid might be uh, disseminated at that place. She said, quote, this is not an official act of the party. I apologize for any misunderstanding. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Josh Field, Washington commanding director of the Obama campaign, said the Republicans are resorting to personal attacks. Uh, well, because people yeah, are stupid. That's so unlike them. And people are dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they are They are a bunch of sophisticates there in, in Snohomish County. Snohomish County. Um, no, nothing, nothing says cultural cosmopolitan like, I'm from Snohomish. Uh, also, that's right up there with, I'm from Chehalis. Uh, I would uh, I would also say this. See, when you first started by saying picture of Barack Obama three dollar bill, I was going to say, well, it's not so bad because it, I actually was just speaking of places that are full of sophisticates. I was in Kennewick a few weeks ago, and my mom she's not really a pack rat, but my mom does my mom does hold on to her fair share of uh, knickknacks. Uh, and so it, over the years, as she's moved from place to place, it, I've seen you know kind of she's slowly winnowed down. She, to her credit, my mom is not one of those crazy old people that just holds on to everything. And you walk into the house and she's just like towering piles of crap and garbage and hoarded razor blades. She has sort of pared her collection of things down over the years to sort of adjust to living in a smaller apartment. But one of the things my mom has held on to and will probably have to the day she dies is a coffee cup depicting Richard Nixon on a $3 bill. And I think he was probably the first politician to be to, 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 get, to get that sort of treatment. I mean, Richard Nixon, boy, you people sort of... 
I mean, people remember Richard Nixon and Watergate and the plumbers and blah, blah, blah. But I think people have sort of forgotten what a cottage industry there was in Nixon-hating for a while in this country. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you could sell anything as long as you put Richard Nixon's face on it and then had some pithy observation about him being a crook below it. So, I mean, really, I mean... You were able to parlay Nixon's fate. Hell, if you were Jimmy Carter, you were able to parlay Richard Nixon to actually becoming president. So um, so that's not so terribly, but it, you, it is 2008, so you leave it to the Republicans to raise the stakes as only they can, I suppose. All right. So I hope everyone had a good time at the Snohoma County Fair. Where yeah. uh, uh-oh. It's going to be harder to get to Spokane. Damn. Southwest Airlines canceling three flights out of Portland due to a slower travel season. By the way, just as I was saying damn sarcastically, Kristen was just doing a sarcastic, like, ah, snap of the fingers. Like, there goes my vacation planning. So in order to cut down due to the slowing economy and the fact that people aren't taking that dream honeymoon vacation to Spokane, Southwest Airlines is eliminating some of the flights there. I got us a hotel out on Sprague. So uh, they're hoping these won't be permanent cuts. So until, uh, well, until they're restored, I guess you just have to drive to Spokane. Were you able to, wait, this is from here? Yeah. You were, let me understand this. You're able to fly to Spokane from here. Yeah, Aboard not, Southwest. Not now, but at one point. Aboard Southwest. But there may, there may be some other airlines that, that fly to Spokane. Wait, let's back up for a second. It's going a mile a minute. Uh, My friend's flown from Spokane. From here to Spokane. Yeah. Well, I guess it is. I guess it is. Is your time for a snack? Are you like, now? <laughs> no, I mean we're in the news hour. Yet. Oh, I, th- I thought you meant like I thought you were wanting to leave and go get a Ruger's sugar wafer bar. No, I don't do that while we're working. Of course, because you're a professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I guess actually it is kind of a hike from here to uh, from, to Spokane. I actually, I guess I'd, I guess in my head I'm still thinking of when I lived in Washington. Spokane was a couple hours away. Yeah, but it's like a five or six hour drive. Why would you drive five? It's like driving five or six hours to have a guy jab out one of your eyes. I mean, really. I mean, what, you know, whatever. Different, I don't understand people who would move from here to there. So. Different strokes for different folks. Uh, well, you know, really, here's the thing. If you were really bent on getting to Spokane anyway, you deserve the six-hour car trip full of tedium and nothingness and hate. That's it. I mean, really, if that's your idea of a high time, let's, uh, let's, let's go to Spokane and hang out at Miss Kitty's and drink bad beer, uh, then really what you have coming to you is a good six hours of staring out a windshield at blankness. That is, uh, that's what you got there. So, all right, let's never mention Spokane again. Glenn Campbell is coming out with his first album in two decades. Almost 50 years ago, it was hard to imagine that Glenn Campbell needed to be introduced, but today he has to be. He's uh, 72 years old and has a new album out. Uh, let's see, he is best known for the Rhinestone Cowboys. Oh, I hate that song. What is that song about? I don't know, something about the 1970s. We're going to start a new segment of this program called What the Hell Is That Song Even About? And we're going to start it right now. Somebody tell me what Rhinestone Cowboy... Let me just see if I can do how many of these I can do from memory. Like a Rhinestone Cowboy, something, something, and a star-spangled rodeo, yes? Yes. Something, something, people I don't even know, and voices coming over the phone. Yeah, and he had the Glenn Campbell Good Time Hour, remember that? No. Well, maybe you didn't watch. Was that a uh, television program? It was. Was that like a variety show? Was it, you know, you remember there was a time when every country artist on earth was given a variety show? You know, Johnny Cash had a variety show that ran for like forever, ran for like nine years or something. I think they just released it on DVD. If I yeah, Cole Porter, uh, not Cole Porter, um, Porter Wagner uh, had a variety show in which Dolly Parton played a prominent role. Uh, Rhinestone Cowboy by Glenn Campbell. Weren't those prominent in, like, the 70s? Yes. Yeah. Variety shows? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Dean Martin had one, too. Long-running variety show. Uh, some people are too lazy to get up and change the channel. Well, and just, that's the, right, that's the thing. And, well, and also, it came from a time when you could put 
You could just put, like, the freaking test pattern on and get a 30 share. Why? There was only three channels. Yeah. You know, and maybe Welcome Back, Cotter was a rerun that night. What do you do? I don't know. Let's sit at home and watch that uh, weird test pattern thing with the headdress. You know, I mean, that, that's it. That's all there was to do. So... Uh, you really the shows didn't used to have to be good. That's the thing. This is this is sort of the un the unspoken thing that we are now now it can be told. But television programs and to some extent radio programs didn't used to really have to be done well. They didn't have to be compelling. They didn't have to be interesting. Why? What was your choice? Are you going to read a book? You're an American. Of course, you're not going to read a book. She's going to sit there and eat Cool Whip out of the jar and just uh, you know and see who Kojak arrests. I mean, that's it. So. So they could just put anything on, and they would go, well, those fools will eat it up. And the fools ate it up. Why? They're fools. That's what they do. Uh, so, and so they would have these variety shows that just ran endlessly. The Brady Bunch had a variety show. People forget about that. There was a Brady Bunch variety hour. Did you watch it? No. No one watched it. Did you watch the Donnie and Marie show? Yes. Man, I watched the Donnie and Marie show, and it was never good. It was never funny, and we watched it every week. Here's another thing. They, do they still run the Lawrence Welk show? Boy, I yes, sound old do. right now. Yeah, it's on OPD. I just sound, I've just turned into an old person who's sitting at a retirement home waiting for my borscht. Do they still run that Lawrence Welk show? And the Lawrence Welk show was old when it was on. The Lawrence Welk show, you know, we, saw, we talk sometimes on this program about them, about people who were born old, you know, people who never looked young. Old souls. The, uh, well, like, uh, uh, you know, Steve Martin always looked old. I mean, he had gray hair when he was like 10. Lawrence Welk, that show never seemed like it was cutting edge or, or new or, or whatever. I mean, that that was what from like maybe the early seventies to the mid to the mid to late seventies. Well, it started in the the early fifties in L.A. and then it went national. So when did it become a national color show where everything seemed to be like pastels and like sherbet colors? Okay, so that's... Didn't it go network to CBS? Wasn't it a CBS show? You know, I don't really remember because the Lawrence Welk show was one of those things I watched as a very little kid, and so I have trouble remembering the year, and looking back now, I can't well, remember... Well, they never mentioned years or time periods. They knew when they were doing it then that they were going to hustle that show forever. See, that's the other thing about the Lawrence Welk show, is looking back at it now, I can't remember... Like, you can look back and go, God, I used to watch these awful old TV shows when I was a kid. But looking back now, I can't remember if I was watching first-run shows or reruns. But you're right. They removed any sort of reference from there. They were timeless, like, from jump. Like, that was the point. 1955. Until? 1955. It ran for 22 seasons. Yes. To 1977. Uh, and so my parents would sit there, and we would watch. Uh, hey, Richie, can we obtain uh, the sales uh, the, the sales guy, the, the salesman entrant on the warm line, please? Thank you. Um was my point? It began, uh, it went national in 1955 and never really stopped running. Uh, so I would just sit there with my parents. We'd watch the Lawrence Welk show, which you wouldn't think that my dad would have liked because he was just a, he's a rube and a hick. And so my dad would sit there and, this doesn't make any sense now that I think about it. it, it my dad would simultaneously, is it possible that someone would simultaneously enjoy Hee Haw and Lawrence Welk? Not, you know, simultaneously. But you know what I mean. Like, that somebody could enjoy both of those programs. Sure. My dad will watch uh, Lawrence Welk, and then right after that, the Solid Gold Dancers. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to watch them because they were too sexy. Because you could see they're under things. Uh, so my so we would watch... God, I grew up... Why did I grow up in a house that was just... It was like Star... It was like Tom Arnold in The Stupids. That was my, my house. No offense, Mom. It's just like growing up in, like, my favorite idiot starring Rick and his family. Just sitting there watching Lawrence Welk and goddamn Hee Haw. Oh, so... Jesus. Lawrence Welk was on 16 years on ABC, and then it was syndicated for 11 more years. And then it really never 
they never came on and said this is the last show. It just well they it did, just kept going because people didn't notice that it went off. But back then that's how it was done, yeah. right? Back then you would never say here's the final episode. That is a thing that started in the 80s. But back then, a show would end, and it would just go right back to the beginning because shows were all sort of self-contained. The, the things never really people that really age on most shows. They did even scripted shows. Things didn't really change. And I was considered kind of brown, uh, groundbreaking in the Flintstones when they followed Wilma's maternity story arc. From they didn't say she was pregnant, but she said we're going to have a baby, and then you saw her be. It was kind of weird actually. You would see Wilma Flintstone like become larger as she was pregnant. It was all very strange. And but, um, the other thing about the Lawrence Welk show is it never seemed to be coming from anywhere. That's the other thing about the Lawrence Welk show. It was like it was some, it was like in some bubble. It was like the restaurant at the end of the universe. It was just like in this bubble at the edge of space that was just held together with twine and like physics or something. So when it began, it, it was actually it was actually a live show on uh, KTLA, and it came from a ballroom in uh, Santa Monica, which is no longer there. And then they moved it to the Hollywood Palladium on yeah. Sunset. But it looked like a set. It didn't yeah. look like... Was it a real place? It was a real place. Well, that's interesting, then, because it was a real place that looked fake. Mm -hmm. It looked like a set. All right. Well, there you go. There's your Lawrence Welk discussion for today. We're no closer to understanding Rhinestone Cowboy. Don't even get me started about Bob Ralston, keyboard player for Lawrence Welk. Uh, we're going to have him on the show, I think, next week. All right. Oh, oh, anyway, we... Glenn Campbell has a new album. The end. All right. Circuity, thy name is the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, all right, let's... Uh, KCMD Portland. KCMD Portland, proud part of the CBS Radio family. We are the Tiffany Network. All right, without further ado, uh, so, you know, we've been running this uh, birth of a salesman contest, and so we've been asking people, uh, we've asked people to go to the website and submit in 100 words or less a little essay uh, about why you wanted to be the uh, next uh, highly paid account executive here at CBS Radio Portland, specifically selling advertisements on this very fine radio station, AM 970. Uh, so now we've uh, narrowed it down to ten semi-semi-finalists, and we're going to talk to those folks on the phone, and then five of them will come into the studio. We'll kind of put the screws to them here on the air, uh, and then three of them will get 15 minutes each face-to-face -face, uh, with Michael Fashana, who's the general sales manager and all-around the uh, sales king of the building. So uh, without further ado, let's talk to our next lucky applicant. This is... Mike, hello, Mike. Hi, how are you? I'm fantastic, Mike. How are you today? I am. I am good. All right. Well, you got me on the. Po you're already. You're already winning big points in the positive attitude category. <laughs> All right. Let me read the. Uh, here's the uh, entry that Mike sent. In. This is what Mike said. He says, in hundred words or less, tell us why you would make a great AM 970 salesperson. Mike says, My name is Mike. I've been in sales since right out of college and started in ad sales at a small classic rock station in Northern California before moving to Portland to pursue. Stand-up and sketch comedy. I currently work in sales selling Hispanic Yellow Page ads and have done well despite the fact that I speak no Spanish, which is impressive if true. Did you make that up? Be honest. Man, I did not make that up, and I was actually just uh, just uh, let go last Friday. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. Was that, I mean, was it just a general downsizing in the business? It was a general downsizing. That was one of like 300 people across the uh, across the country that got the axe. Now let me ask you. This is a serious question here. Let me ask you this: How, really, in all seriousness, how do you go about selling ads in the Spanish language yellow page, you know, book or whatever, if you don't speak Spanish? Uh, well, you know, unfortunately, I uh, like <laughs> I'm still I'm not still there, so I think that should answer part of that. Question. But I mean, but, was uh, it? But were you were you effective to any degree? Were you able to to get some I business? Was actually, I was one of the top salesmen for for a while so, at, at our office. Is that a thing where I mean I don't even know that is that a thing where maybe uh, you, you would uh, 
I don't know. I mean, how, how does that... It, in other words, if you're talking to people who don't speak English and you don't speak Spanish, how are you closing that deal? Um, a lot of hand gestures. No, it was actually... It was, uh, it was uh, mainly... I was, it was... Uh, I concentrate on mainly people who wanted to attract that. Oh, that, I see. Okay, all right. So you were dealing with maybe a clientele uh, that was not predominantly Spanish-speaking, but then they were placing ads there. Okay. Right. So right. I was wondering if it was like sort of a like a picture menu thing, you know, like it like at McDonald's, except Playing it was McDonald's, like yeah. except it was like a, <laughs> except it was like a picture rate card. Would you like high frequency and saturation? Point to this one. All right. Right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so this you presumably you made this application while you still had a gig. So my question to you is, uh, what is uh, what is it about being a radio salesperson specifically at AM 970 that attracted you, my friend? Well, you know, I love your show. Uh, I spent uh, I think probably more time listening to your show than actually working. Excellent. I think Good for you. Probably led to it. Um, when I heard about the contest, I just thought, uh, you know, I when I was at the radio station before in, in Westwood, I was. Uh, Actually, I, did. I was the co-host of a morning show there, and, and I didn't get paid a whole lot, so I started doing the ad sales in the afternoon. And uh, I, I just, I, I like, I like sales. Now, were and, you uh, now were you better at sales than you were at being on the air? Um, you know, I think uh, no, no, I don't think so. So I mean, but in other words, because here's because I got to tell you, uh, sales, as Alec Baldwin says in Glengarry Glen Ross, that's a tough racket. And I got to tell you, there was this dark period for about six months, a uh, long time ago, where I tried to sell my own show. Like I was trying to do a show, and then I would like do the show, and then I go out and try to sell it. And really, you want to go home and just eat a gun. Uh, right. At least me. I mean, it was just the worst six months of my life. It was just miserable. And I think Tim would tell you that it, sales is just it's a whole different animal. So you know, it, it, it sales is pretty bad. Um, it uh, yeah, definitely have to be thick skin for it. But uh, I think I jumped into it because I got fired from the job I was at before that too. I'm, <laughs> I'm not making myself sound so you, good here. You were, no, no, no. You were really our radio guy. Just fired from everything. Uh, it, it, it was doing the morning show, then into sales. Did your morning show have a wacky name, sir? Uh, yeah, it was uh, Greg and Furry in the morning. Are you so, Furry? That's my last name is Furry. It's kind of a built-in Mike nickname. Mike Furry. My name is an adjective, yeah. Did you consider changing it for the radio? Uh, you know, I, I didn't because uh, just, I just like, I use it in stand-up uh, just because it sounds like a stage name already. All right, so you currently perform stand-up. Uh, say something funny. Uh, well, I was just going to say the job I got fired from before that, I was at, uh, I actually right out of college got fired from the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which was... Uh, I wish that salesman would starve. <laughs> no, it, was, it was really horrible. Done and done, that. Johnny. Right. <laughs> what did you What did you do? What What does it feel like to get fired by the Make a Wish Foundation? Well, are you evil in some way? Is that why they did that? No, apparently I'm the only one who thinks trick candles are funny. Oh, they're right next door to us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was uh, yeah. <laughs> Done and done. All right, uh, two more questions here. Uh, have you ever, well, I was going to say, have you ever worked on commission, but obviously you have worked on commission, and uh, did you make any money working on commission? I did. I did, actually. I like commission. Were you able to support yourself working on commission? I was, uh, yes. All very right. Much so. And my final question to you, sir, as we wrap this up, is how would you, if talking to a prospective client, differentiate radio advertising from other forms of advertising? Well, I would say that in radio advertising, uh, it's uh, very in-your-face. You're listening to it, and it's, it's predominant. It's not like uh, if you drive by something and hope to see it or pick up something. It's going to be broadcast out there to millions of people at a time. What if somebody then said to you, I don't know, I was, uh, I was thinking about advertising my product on one of those, uh, one of those uh, big uh, FM radio stations that plays all the, uh, plays all the tunes? Well, I would say uh, go for AM. It's, uh, 
the signal carries farther. Excellent. All right, there you go. It follows the curve of the earth, sir. All right, thank you, my friend. All right, well, so we will be in touch uh, one way or the other, and uh, thank you for uh, thank you for your interest in this job, my uh, my uh, my hey, fine companion. You, All right, there you go. That's Mike. Richie, can you make sure we have his content info? All right, there you go. Excellent. That was pretty good. Everything yeah, is not I bad was at all. Convinced. All right. No, you know it, 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 it. You know, and as much as we sort of make fun of stand-up comics and people who sort of do sketch comedy and sort of people who are goofs for a living, uh, he did seem to have a certain amount of charisma. And you know what? You're going to be a successful salesperson. You got to have charisma. Yes. Uh, you really got to be able to. You got to have a little uh, little spark to you. So, uh, and the fact that he has been in radio and then been fired from radio, being fired from the Make a Wish Foundation. That really is a strange story to tell. Mm-hmm. So now, and he's got an interesting last name, so he can sort of maybe leverage that and do a little bit of a, you know, some chuckles with the prospective client. You make them laugh. You know, making them laugh is the first step towards making them buy. Oh, yes. yes. All right. So, all right, there you go. Uh, so we'll uh, do uh, one of those probably each day, and then we'll, at the end of this, uh, maybe we will, uh, you know. Pick we'll... one out of the hat. Yes. The, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, continuing at the Ministry of Truth, it is Tim Riley. Disappointed Neil Diamond fans will get a refund after attending a concert at Iowa State University in which the 67-year-old singer's voice sounded raspy. Some fans left the concert early. Others said Diamond uh, completed the concert without mentioning anything to the audience about his voice. A statement from Diamond, the singer of such hits as Sweet Caroline and Sung Sung Blue, said his doctor had diagnosed acute laryngitis. A spokeswoman said the singer is offering a refund to those who place a request by September 5th. He said, quote, I haven't let you down before, and I won't let you down now. Sounds like it was more like song sung bad, Tim. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, you know who else can't sing anymore? Is uh, Wayne Newton, but they don't tell you that to you after you spend a hundred something dollars on a ticket. He hasn't been able to sing forever. Oh no, he hasn't been able to sing. Well, because but you don't tell people in Vegas that. Oh no, 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 no. You don't know. You know, you never let them sample the product, Tim. No. Uh, so, but here's my thing about Wayne Newton. Boy, we're really just on some weird sort of shticky singer kick today. Uh, it, but I got all these emails about Lawrence Welk coming in. Lawrence Welk been dead for how long? Oh, a long time? Long time. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, they never mentioned on the show, though. <laughs> they, they, they they never mentioned the passing of Lawrence Welk. They ought to preserve him like Vladimir Lenin. It's all like, keep, the late Lawrence Welk? Keep him all. By Geritol. Keep him all waxed up and leaning in a corner. Um, hey, is Stalin's body preserved somewhere in Russia or is it just Lenin? Just Lennon. Oh, that's too bad. I was hoping to see Stalin's body when I go to Russia. Um, so, uh, anyway, uh, blah, 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 Wayne Newton. So here's a question about Wayne Newton, and people don't say that phrase often enough. It, could Wayne Newton ever really sing? Because here's why I ask this. Because he did the Donkashing thing where he just sounds like Peggy Lee. Mm-hmm. And then there's the thing now where he's just ah, 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 like that. But did he go through a phase where he had like a normal masculine singing voice? I don't think so. It was either that or now. I mean, he went wait, right from novelty act to like, to suck, right? I mean, there was just no, there was no stop off at quality there, uh, and so you go to see Wayne Newton, which I have not, by the way. I mean, you go to see Wayne Newton, and apparently it's just, apparently the whole, uh, the couple first rows are just sort of a weird housefrau's shrieking, and, and then fainting as he wipes himself with a bad handkerchief and then gives it to them. So it's like, yeah, I got a handkerchief covered with something that most people I would think would go out of their way to avoid. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's a handkerchief covered in the sweat of Wayne Newton. Do you want it? You know, no one wants uh, that. No. It's like a reverse shroud of Turin. You know what I mean? Like you go out of your way not to examine it in any way. Uh, but so I guess that's the deal. You go there and it's just it's just old women who are like, I love you, Wayne. And then he just like, let me wipe my brow. And then he hands it to you. So there you go. And then it's Dakashay. <laughs> the Scatman Crothers sings the hits of Wayne Newton. Uh, the um, but then so so Neil Diamond performed though, but he's offering refunds to a crowd of eleven thousand. Yeah, I guess so. That's a pretty class act. Can I? Can you hand me that story for a second? No, too late. I threw it away. Okay, never mind. Uh, but I. But that's you know what it is. But he's that's a guy who knows where his bread is. Oh, I buttered. think it's in your stack too. 
I don't know that I have. It's a duplicate story. Uh, but I mean, I mean, that's a guy who clearly knows. That's a guy who knows who pays his bills. Uh, he knows how, where the rent comes from. You don't offer a refund to a crowd of 11,000 people unless you're a man who uh, you, who knows you know how you managed to pay for that new swimming pool. So good for him. Man, if I could just go back in time and just uh, drag a refund out of a whole bunch of bands that I've seen that just, where it's like you pay your $75 and it's just like, and it's just like the suck is turned up to oh, 11. There it is. Let me just, then we'll talk to Steve Kasten about here in a second. It says here, Neil Diamond apologized and offered refunds to 11,000 people. This is so great. Listen to this. this is, I, didn't, I didn't even really register how great this is. Dear fans in Columbus, he said in the statement. I'm quoting now from Neil Diamond's statement. I haven't let you down before, and I won't let you down again. Until you hear from me again, remember, you are the sun, I am the moon. You are the words, I am the tune. Forgive me, I love you. Signed, Neil. Well, that goes right up to the, the, the edge of being creepy, but, you know, that that is a man who realizes uh, that it could all go away tomorrow, takes care of his uh, of his customer base. Good for you, Neil. Got to keep the customer satisfied. Well, you know what it is? It's like as much as I knock on Garth Brooks sometimes, you know, even though I do like him, it's like that time that Garth Brooks signed autographs for 24 hours. I don't know if you remember that story. A little bit, I mean, obviously, it was a publicity stunt, but, I mean, he said that he signed autographs for 24 hours without stopping. Who does that? That's a guy who knows how to keep the bread butter. It's super serving the client. That exactly, Tim. Under promise, over deliver. Mm -hmm. uh, ladies and gentlemen, now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show from Denver, Colorado, broadcasting live from the CNN Grill, which I believe has been swankified to all get out. Uh, Steve Kastenman, hello, sir. Hey, actually, I'm inside the Pepsi Arena. Lisa Desjardins gets to have all the fun inside the grill. So there's it now. Is this uh, is this like a first come first serve kind of a thing, or was it like did you guys just play rock paper scissors shotgun or something? I guess that's how it went. Lisa's got the uh, the morning shift, and then she does the the two hour long radio show that uh, we've got going out to our affiliates, and it's also streamed live on dot com. You could be watching her on uh, on on dot com when she does her show with Roland Martin. And plus she was a uh, plus she was a mathlete, so you know yeah. you can't can't discount that. Let me say this about Roland Martin. Uh, so I was watching Roland Martin, who is uh, now, what is his, I mean, he's he's obviously, uh, you know, he's a sort of pundit or an advisor or whatever. What is his background? You know, I don't know his bio. I really don't know. I mean, he's a radio, a syndicated radio uh, talk show host uh, out of Chicago. Well, everybody is. And, uh, you know, he's, um, so because of that, he's become a CNN political uh, contributor, given, uh, you know, the history of Barack Obama in Chicago, and he knows a lot about Barack, and he's, you know, got some ins with uh, Barack's people. So. Did, you, did you see the outfit he was wearing last night? Uh, I did not. Unbelievable. Another one of those outfits that, like, I could never make work, you know? You got to have the style, and you got to carry the style in a certain kind of way. There's only cer there's certain kinds of people they can make. There's a guy who works here named Chris Paddock. He's the program director for KUFO, our sister station. And he wears some great clothing that Sarah Dillon keeps telling me how to wear. She's like, hey, you ought to dress like that. But it's like, you know, and Sarah's fashion sense, don't get me wrong, is flawless. But occasionally she will see some guy wearing something. She's like, "You could rock that. You could make that work." Like the um, like the wristwatch with the big thick ass like leather band on it. Oh, I could see you doing that. No, but no, no. I cannot see you in a Roland Martin suit. No, no, I can't do the, the 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 watch with the leather band, and I can't wear what Roland Martin was wearing last night. So Roland Martin last night is wearing this suit. It is black suit. Like let's just call it what it is. It's a Godfather suit. It's a full on black suit, white pinstripes. And then underneath it, I do believe a bright, like uh, like a sharkskin pink shirt with matching sharkskin pink tie. Oh my god! It was 
unbelievable. It was like it looked. It was like a. Uh, I don't know. It was. I don't even know how to describe it. It was like some sort of. It was just. It was unbelievable. But you know the thing is, but he made it work. That's the deal. Like you didn't look at it and go, "Wow, bad, bad idea." You looked at it and you went, oh, "I wish I could dress like that." But then in the same breath, you realize, "I can never dress like that." I'm so, so happy I'm not in TV and I don't have to pull things like that off. Can I tell you this? Here's a funny story. Then we'll talk about the things that actually matter. The one time I was on, um, long time ago, I was on the O'Reilly Factor once, long, many, many years ago. And uh, I uh, was even dumber then than I am now and didn't know how to do anything. And so I went on television wearing a white shirt. So that was ill-advised. So I'm just like a big, ghostly, floating, disembodied head right. while, while Bill O'Reilly is shrieking something at me. It's all very unpleasant. Um, all right. So last night, Hillary Clinton. Um, so wh where does the general consensus, where is the conventional wisdom on the efficacy of her speech last night? Well, people here, of course, say she hit a home run. And she was probably the most forceful uh, I've ever seen uh, her be at a podium in front of a large audience like that. I mean, she really hammered away uh, at uh, the, the people who, who are may possibly disenchanted uh, with the way things played out and told them, uh, you know, they have to vote for Barack Obama, why, uh, why they have to vote for Barack Obama, why she's backing him, her former rival. And uh, she was about as emotional as I've ever seen her get as far as uh, conveying a sense of urgency. You know, she's often criticized for... You know, always sticking to a script and, and, and just sounding almost robotic. So, uh, you know, for her, I think it was uh, pretty good. I like to think that, I mean, I like to think that I'm able to sort of watch other people who uh, perform or, or, you know, are on stage or that, you know, have to do things in front of a crowd. And I like to I like to believe that I have the ability to suss out sort of when when it's working, when it's not, when they're phoning it in, when it's real. I will say my assessment is, uh, for what it's worth, that when I was watching Hillary Clinton, I think Hillary Clinton is... You know, she's a really good, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but she really is a good actress or method actress sometimes in that she can she can really conjure up all the appropriate inflections, gestures, all the little minutiae that have to go into a really good performance to kind of make you sell it. And I feel like I could sort of see the gears working last night, but she, she was still a very effective speaker. They would cut back occasionally to Bill Clinton, who was doing, in my opinion, a less effective job. He did seem like he was doing a poor job of covering up the sulk uh, that was going. He didn't seem happy. Is it true that he's not going to show up on Thursday for Obama's speech? Yeah, and, and there's a reason for that. They don't want to have all those cutaway TV shots of Bill Clinton sitting sitting there. You know, he, he always overshadows a, a situation whenever he's present. So, you know, they realize that if he's there, the cameras are going to be constantly cutting away to Bill Clinton and his reaction to the speeches, and they want the focus to be on Barack Obama. Uh, and then I know the Republicans, and I was talking to Dick Giuliano about this, I think this is really a precedent-breaking thing, that each year, or each convention rather this year, the opposition party is going to be at the other's convention. In other words, the Republicans have got like a war room set up there in Denver, and I know the Democrats have been doing the same thing uh, for, uh, you know, for the Republican convention. So what are the Republicans saying, to the best of your knowledge, about last night's performance? or where we are so far in the convention. I have to be honest, I've been working so hard here and so long that I haven't even had time to pay attention to what they've been saying because I've been focused on the speeches and doing reports from live inside the arena. I really don't know. I haven't been able to watch TV. I'll be, it'll, I'll be really curious to see if the Republicans are able to sort of pull anything out from last night or tonight or whatever to use, a, you know, to pull something from the Democrats to use against them. Uh, Republicans do seem to be pretty skilled at taking your own words and sort of uh, wielding them back at you. Uh, and then tonight... Uh, tonight we've got Bill Clinton and Joe Biden both, correct? 
Yeah, we've got them both, and, and that's the big question. Who's going to overshadow who? Who's going to steal the headlines in the morning? You know, that's, that's, what, that's what everybody's talking about here. you got the roll call taking place where Barack Obama will be officially nominated uh, as the party's candidate. But everybody's talking about, you know, who's really going to steal the headlines? Who's going to, you know, steal the thunder here? To your, to your knowledge, and I've only seen a little bit of it, to your knowledge, what kind of a public speaker is Joe Biden? Oh, I mean, he's a very, uh, you know, he doesn't he doesn't shoot from the hip type of guy. He's not that type of a guy. He says what he means. He, he means what he says, you know. And he doesn't mince words when he when he's talking there. And he's known for going off the script a lot too. They're a little concerned about that sometimes. But uh, when he when he's talking to the press uh, in small groups, but you know he's he's a forceful speaker and 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 he speaks like uh, an everyday Joe. It is because uh, Bill Clinton is uh, you know although maybe his star has faded a bit over the past however many years. Uh, you know, Bill Clinton is a very gifted orator. And a really a very skilled politician in terms of the way that he interacts with crowds and the public. I will be curious to see who sort of comes out of there with the with the with the brightest luster uh, tonight. Yeah, we all will, and, and we'll also want to see whether Bill Clinton uh, repairs the damage that he did during the uh, the campaign trail and all the remarks he made. You know, I got to say, for better or worse, you got to give it up to the Clintons that they they play for they play for keeps. You know, they really do. Oh yeah. All right, uh, my friend, uh, and then of course you are going to be on tomorrow. We will undoubtedly talk with you then. Speak to you then. All right, hoist a drink for us, sir. Will do. All right, thank you, Steve Kastenbaum in Denver. Wonderful, excellent. All right, so uh, you'll see. see I, my prediction is that uh, the Clinton will be good, but not great tonight. That's just my read on it, only because you can you can tell he's just so bitter about the whole thing. You can just tell he's just that he's just feeling peeved uh, that it didn't go to his wife because you know they they you know I said this early in the program. Do you think he'd run again if he could? Oh God, I, we would have voted. We would have elected yeah. him again if we could have. I know, I would have. I mean. And I'm just speaking for the country, by the way. Uh, I mean, every, I said this back then, that if we could have elected, this is why it was so staggering. I don't want to revisit the 2000 election. But, uh, you know, this is why it was so staggering that Al Gore lost to, to George W. Bush. Because, I mean, how badly do you have to blow things to lose an election following eight years of unprecedented peace and prosperity? I mean, really, honestly, I... You know, there was the Onion had that great headline when George Bush got elected. George W. Bush says, uh, you know, nation's long nightmare of peace and prosperity at an end. So the idea that you would just take eight years where, as a general rule, most people in the country were making more money, had better job security, stock market was doing better. We weren't, you know, like leg deep in like 15 different wars. Budget had a surplus. Budget had a surplus. Yeah. And all he asked in return was Monica Lewinsky. That's, I mean, really, and who can who can begrudge him that? You know, the guy who runs Spain, there's a president, right? They have a prime minister and a president, I think, in Spain. But I think there's a president in Spain. You know, he, he actually just like shows up at state dinners with his mistress. Like, hey, who's this? This is Tiffany. Yeah. She has no skills. I'm going to be bonking her later on tonight. Look at that. Yeah. And everybody just kind of goes, well, all right, you know, whatever. You know why? Things run. Things run and they run correctly. No one cares. So, uh, you know. It's like the last remaining whatever. part of our puritanical. Just, I just don't care. I care yeah. less than nothing about it. But but as I say, who can begrudge him Monica Lewinsky? Seriously. And whoever else. Uh, was a little pizza and a little something else. I mean, just, you know what? Have the, why don't you just keep us out of some wars and keep the stock market working correctly? Give us a little bit of a surplus. And you know what? You, you have all the chicks you want. I don't care. We, we, I would, you know, there used to be that thing on the 1040, maybe there still is, where you check the box and it's like, do you want to donate to the president's reelection fund? Is that still there? Yes, I believe it is. Last Who would possibly contribute to that, by the way? Who checks that box? I, I want to go. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess maybe if the guy you like is in power. But, I mean, really, F them. Let them pay their own way. Um, 
But I mean, I would check about if they if you if they wanted to alter the 1040 or whatever the 1040 long and put some check here to provide horrors to the president. I would do that unhesitatingly. You know what? I want the I want the president all distracted with like where his next uh, slut is going to come from. You hook him up, doesn't matter. So the idea that Al Gore was just able to blow that lead that Clinton gave him. Uh, but as I said at the time, we would have elected Bill Clinton three, four, five more times if we could have. And anybody who says differently is just, uh, they are retconning our own history here. Here's Tim Riley. Well, on the CNN site, and I can't find the page where uh, Lisa Desjardins is interviewing Rowan Martin. Uh, it's not uh, now. She's done now. It, they do it earlier in the day. All right. So it's Lisa Desjardins and Rowan Martin. Uh, no. I'm sorry. I didn't catch that the first time he said it. I'm sorry. Meanwhile, uh, let's talk to uh, Spike. Uh, I'm, I'm a failure. I'm sorry. Tim. That's okay. You lobbed that right over the plate, and I was busy getting. A, I'm going to use it again tomorrow about noon time. Getting a snow cone tomorrow. Use that same joke, and then I'll yeah. pretend that I haven't heard it before. That'd be great. You got to. You, you, you won't remember anyway. No, I won't. You got to see the suit that Roland Martin had on last night. I mean, just black uh, suit, white pinstripes, big shiny pink shirt and tie, just rocking it. I mean, yeah. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh So let's talk to uh, Spike Lee. He's uh, energized about Barack Obama becoming the first African-American named as the Democratic nominee for president. Mr. Lee calls this moment of politics a historic time. This is not only a historic moment in American history, but a historic moment in world history. I think it's that significant that you could say B.B. before Barack and A.B. after Barack. Yeah, he had me until then. That's dumb. Don't. No one's going to say that. All right. So in case you didn't hear Hillary Clinton last night... Uh, here she is urging Democrats, this is from the big speech, she's urging Democrats to unite behind the pending nomination of Barack Obama, her final, uh, former enemy. No way, no how, no McCain. Is that the line that Aaron's that's like, that's Bill Clinton said he wrote that. So, No, he was saying, I love you, Yeah. according to CNN people. Uh, Clinton says uh, John McCain is just another President Bush. Jobs lost, houses gone, falling wages, rising prices. The Supreme Court in a right-wing headlock, and our government in partisan gridlock. You know, the thing about Hillary Clinton is, she is, we were talking about that new Metallica single the other day, and I will connect these two things. And I was saying the new Metallica single is not, it seems like a construct. In other words, it didn't really come from the heart. They sort of sat down with a blueprint and a slide rule and a thing and a spreadsheet, and they said, let's construct something like in a lab that sounds like a metal song that we might have written 20 years ago and then maybe people will like us again. So they didn't really know how to write it, but they sat down and I think they analyzed all of their own greatest hits and they said, all right, now let's see if we can build a song that people will like. We'll just use all these component parts and put it together. And that's what Hillary Clinton does. I don't think she speaks from the heart, but I think she's a powerful and a forceful speaker. Well, she speaks from the kidneys, and that's she, good enough. She speaks from the spleen. Uh, you know, I don't think she's a natural speaker the way that Bill Clinton is or the way that, uh, you know, maybe Barack Obama. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, she's powerful in the sense that when you see her speak, you know that you would never cross that woman. Well, I think it's because normally in normal life before she got into public uh, life, when she spoke at the top of her lungs, naturally she was probably upset about somebody. <laughs> she was busy demanding that somebody be fired. Yeah. Uh, so Hillary says McCain and Bush are the same thing. It makes perfect sense that George Bush and John McCain will be together next week in the Twin Cities because these days they're awfully hard to tell apart. You know, it didn't seem as shrill last night. No, uh, she's she's shrilled down a bit. And also, but when she gets to the end of that sentence, and I would give... 
I now beg someone in the audience. It's too late now. We should have had this during the primary season. It's too late, but I just for completion's sake, if somebody can isolate that audio from misery of and of Kathy Bates going, he didn't get out of the cock-a-duty car, because that's exactly what Hillary Clinton sounds like. It's and like ninety percent of her tone. Yeah, is right there. It's yeah. awfully hard to tell them apart. You know, they, she sounds a lot like Annie Wilkes when she talks. But do you see what I mean about how, like, the words all work, and she has the right sort of forceful delivery, but it's like she's just not a natural speaker. She's she's just not. Uh, I think in retrospect, maybe she lip-synced and had somebody backstage. That's a good idea. Uh, maybe James Earl Jones. <laughs> That's a fantastic <laughs> idea. <laughs> because they are awfully hard to tell apart. That's freaking me out even to think about it. Um, the uh, Or maybe what, like, she could speak and Carrot Top's voice could come out. Uh, but I think if looking back, if she had modulated her voice a little lower and if she had worked on speaking maybe slower, more quietly, but accenting the words heavier, like Miley Cyrus, exactly like that, Tim, it might've worked. Cause she is just, man, she doesn't have much of an inflection at all. No. Well, and it's like listening to just like a slightly more restrained version of Randy Rhodes, mm -hmm. you know? In other words, it's like having a corkscrew just jammed into one of your ears. She'd work uh, very well as a PA announcer at an airport. <laughs> she really would. <laughs> I said the white zone is for low. Don't you listen, are you bastards? <laughs> so she said uh, Obama knows that America is all about we the people and not we the favored few. And when Barack Obama is in the White House, he'll revitalize our economy, defend the working people of America, and meet the global challenges of our time. He'll bring respect to the U.S. again. President Obama will end the war in Iraq responsibly, bring our troops home, and begin to repair our alliances around the world. Yeah. And then, of course, well, I didn't use any of the sound, but all the people she met, the bald-headed woman. Right. And the person who, who Wait, lost what? It, she met a bald-headed woman who, was, uh, who didn't have insurance. The, the, Why was the woman bald? What, was it cancer? Yeah. All right, okay. But but then she she didn't really get into the disease part. She just talked about the bald-headed woman, and then another woman who lost uh, some of her hours at a minimum wage job. Well, because they because that's, I mean, really, you and I, Tim, could sit here and we could. Recur Did their advanced people find somebody like those people they do. at every stop? No, they do. Uh, they, they they have a little filing cabinet full of them. They, I am almost certain that it's no longer even a filing cabinet. I would bet my bottom dollar, bet my sweet bippy, as they used to say, mm -hmm. uh, as as Roland Martin said last night. Um, With Lisa Desjardins. That, uh, that they have a computer file or files uh, that are full of personal anecdotes about that there is a tab, and you hit the tab at the top. Uh, you know, health care, unemployment, stock market, Iraq, uh, you know, whatever. You know, pick something else. And if you click on it, and in each city there's a list of the name, what they did for a living, and then a brief summary of their personal anecdotes. Unless anybody think I'm being sarcastic, I truly believe that's probably they, I I have no doubt that that exists because because you I mean look it's just logistically you know that Hillary Clinton is now there like having perfect retention of every person she meets. I mean that's why one has people to sort of uh, you know and I have no illusions that politics makes the world a better or decent place. I have no illusions that your vote matters or that anybody is going to fix anything. Nothing gets better. Nothing changes. It's just one big spiraling, uh, one big spiraling downturn on this planet, and that's just the way it is. Now it's going to be better once we get those giant fans. <laughs> All the problems are going to go. Giant fans everywhere. I say to you now that giant fans are the answer. When I'm a fan in every pot. Uh, but you know, so none of this really matters. So 
so I, you know, I, I just spend all my time analyzing the sort of logistics of it. And you know that there's somebody whose whole job is to sit there and write down, woman, bald head, cancer, uh, no health care. the internet only made free it easier, port. too. Totally. Yeah. Um, and, and here's how you know, because okay, Tim and I could sit here and probably... Tim and I could probably report the entire convention without watching any of it. We're just making it up because we all know what it's going to be. You know, because it's going to be somebody coming out and they're going to go, and when I was in Akron, I met a woman. And she, and then she'll say, she reminded me a lot of my own mother, working too hard at a job that was too difficult, making not enough money for her four children. Hitting every talking point. Exactly. Yeah. Trying to get through a glass ceiling that at times can just seem impossible to break. Wanting only a better life for her children, wanting them to have the advantages that she was so often denied in this, the greatest country on earth. And they always have a military family member. So, and yeah, and yeah. then and then she sat there with her head in her hands in the barren kitchen as she ate the last roach. <laughs> no carpet on the floor, no picture on the wall. Wearing her coat of many colors. Uh, so, I mean, well, that's, I made a note to myself last night, actually. You know who else was doing that? We might as well just run a little. We can either run late here or we can break now and come back and talk more about this. No, well, let's keep talking. We're here. Kristen? Yeah, we can do it. You're the producer. It's fine. You sure? Yes. Yes. I'll just smush them together. I think we should break. And I never think we should break. I like the 10-minute stop sets. Let's take a break. Tim, we'll come back and do this more on the other side. Sure. Just because then we want the break, you know, you know, we'll come back and then we can have a sweep here. Uh, so we'll take a break. We'll come back more about the convention. Uh, we'll talk to Mr. Skin later on. We'll do uh, today's top five. Give away a copy of the Shield Season 6 on DVD. All right, when we come back, we'll, we'll have more uh, more convention observations, more news, and uh, so forth. Stay there. It is the Rick Emerson radio program. Is this one of my beds? Yeah. I've never heard this before. Well, all right then. I think this, this is Rick Emerson show return pub. I just magically appeared in the system. Well, whatever. It's like some sort of musical manna just falling onto the program. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program, home of new and exciting and completely unexplainable music beds. It's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, uh. Do you ever do something and you don't remember doing it? Like maybe. Maybe I came in and sort of loaded a bunch of music beds last night and don't remember doing it. Like a Three Faces of Eve kind of a thing. All right. Well, whatever. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol, can we obtain um, our good friend Mr. Skin? Uh, that'd be fantastic. Um, all right. Here's what's coming up in the next jam-packed hour and 15 minutes of Radio Frivolity. Uh, all right. So we got the uh, top five today. We actually have two top fives, I say, to the laughter of thousands. Because, it, I mean, really, it's all we can ever do to get to one. Um, so we got a mystery top five, and uh, don't call about this now, but later on we'll do a mystery top five. The deal is we'll play a top five, 
And then uh, if you are, we'll do like call or whatever. And then if you can identify the theme of the top five, you'll win a copy of The Shield, the complete sixth season on DVD. Don't miss the final season. The Shield premieres Tuesday, 10 p.m. only on FX. And pick up The Shield season six in stores August 26th from Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Um, I can't even tell you how excited I am about The Shield, and I'm not going to because then I'll just uh, gibber myself into a frenzy. Uh, here's the other top five I got put together. Right there, it is the uh, top five B-sides that exceed their A-side in terms of quality. So uh, we'll get to that. Uh, let's see. We'll get to Mr. Skin in just one moment. Then more from Tim Riley. I think we're going to check in with Sarah Dillon at some point. I got an Insta poll I want to get done. Here's a little nerdy observation. So we were playing that the spyware malware commercial thing. You know, the uh, have you been surfing porn or whatever it says, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is actually how the spot starts. Um, I was thinking about this. All right. There needs to be a Joss Whedon-based clothing company called Malware. A Joss Whedon clothing company called Malware. Somebody do that. I don't have time to do these things. You do it from. That's like the time I wanted to, uh, like a used electronics store, just called a pawn shop. PWN. Never mind. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show uh, from MrSkin.com, uh, the online celebrity nudity database, Mr. Skin. Hello. How are you, my friend? Hey, Rick. How's it going? It is going fantastically. What news have ye of nudity? Well, um, there's a movie in theaters. It's number two at the box office right now uh, called The House Bunny. And Anna, Anna Ferris stars as a Playboy centerfold turns sorority babe. And you might know her. She was the girl in all the scary movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in all four of them, a hot blonde. Um, she did a, a bit on Entourage, Entourage. last season. Very funny actress. And she had never done a nude scene. In the very first uh, scary movie, her buns were shown, but it was a body double. In this movie, 22 minutes in, even though it's a PG movie, she drops her towel and you see butt. Uh, this time it's her confirmation, and it happens uh, in the House Bunny Anna Ferris new debut. It's number two at the box office. Um, also, I don't know if you noticed, but Denise Richards' It's Complicated has been canceled, and um, one of the great moments in the uh, season was when Denise's friends were on MrSkin.com looking at nude pictures right, of her. <laughs> right, right, That was an awkward, awkward thing to watch. Well, it was awkward to watch, but great for MrSkin.com. Absolutely. And, uh, any show that promotes my website that gets canceled, it's always a sad <laughs> day. But uh, uh, if anyone wants to enjoy uh, Denise Richards uh, in all her glory, check her out at our website, of course, in Wild Things, one of the great menage a trois scenes in movie history. So uh, one of the most famous nude scenes in movie history. And uh, finally, I wanted to mention that uh, season four of Entourage is new on DVD this week. And in addition to the usual array of party girls bearing their Hollywood hills, uh, Australian Eiffel Sophie Monk, who is is really a, a pretty uh, girl, if you don't know her, uh, check her out. She was the hot babe that had a, well, one of the hot babes that had a sex scene with Adrian Grenier, and uh, she was naked in that. And uh, um, I can tell you that uh, Entourage Season 4 is uh, loaded with skin. Check it out. A great show and always has hot babes uh, in the raw. Uh, season four out on DVD this week. Excellent. As always, my friend, you are doing the Lord's work. Uh, we <laughs> will uh, talk to you next week, sir. Okay, man. There you go. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Only in America. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, more from Tim Riley. Hello, sir. Uh-oh. Portland officials say that uh, a black helicopter training thing that was downtown is going to move to a less urban part of the city. Uh, yes, a lot of people are scared. Uh, one woman said she could see the color of the people's teeth who were flying these copters. Which apparently were white. What is that even? What color do you? Ex- That's just stupid. That is stupid. 
What do you mean? No. Before we move on, let's stop and let's really think about that for a minute. What do you mean you could see the color of the teeth of the people? What do you expect them to have? Meaning that they're going to be magenta? I guess meaning they were so close that you could look in their mouth. Aren't you supposed to say the whites of their eyes? Isn't that a thing you're supposed to say? It's not the color of your teeth. Well, this one was from Tillamook. It also seems, by the way, uh, that even in Tillamook, that phrase doesn't really hold up logically because even if you couldn't see them, you could hazard a guess. You know? They're white! So, I mean... Unless you're British. I suppose that's true. All right, so wait. So the the helicopters were over southeast and downtown. Now they're going to be where? It says to a less urban part of the city. Well, that means your neighborhood, Tim. I mean, what's in every way? In every way. Let's just be, let's be I don't honest. I that far from an airport. Uh, so, uh, well, there you go. So have fun with that. And uh, have the usual uh, group of loons, misfits, and psychopaths started screaming about how there's conspiracies afoot? Yes. All right. It's, uh, let's see, I found something about that here somewhere. Let me look. Always remember, uh, if you wrap a melon rind around your head, that'll keep death rays from uh, penetrating your brain. Apparently, this is proof mm-hmm. that we have or are about to invade Iran. But because we just, there's a helicopter over Portland. That's always how that works. Uh, you think we were learning our lesson about helicopters in Iran? I mean, wow. <laughs> that is true. Well, uh, I'm, uh, history repeats oh no. itself, does it not? I hadn't really thought about that, but that's a good point. Uh, for, those of you who don't, uh, for those of you who don't remember, back in the uh, Jimmy Carter days, one of the things that really undid uh, Jimmy Carter when he was running for president is that, you know, of course, the hostage crisis, hostages held for 444 days, are really, truly... You know, the advent of Ted Koppel. Oh, and in a really bad time in American history. I mean, I was young, but I remember it, and I remember they had that graphic on television of the American with the 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 not a towel, but what he was being blindfolded with something. It was like a large cloth he was being yeah. blindfolded with, and for more than a year there were all these Americans being held hostage in Iran, and it was a bad deal. And uh, and it was America held hostage, Dave. Whatever. Totally. And, and then it changed the graphic every night. Uh, and then Jimmy Carter sent over these helicopters to do a rescue mission, but of course. Iran is a country filled with sand, and these were helicopters that couldn't function in the sand because the sand got sucked into their turbines and the helicopters crashed. The end. So that was a bad, and that's and that was one of the things that put Reagan in the White House. Correct. And then of course there was the October surprise. Uh, you know, and, and you know, of course then Reagan wasn't it like like tw- like two days or something before? Was it right before the election or on election night that the hostages got released? I, it was, I think it was the night he got elected. Because uh, someone went through a few back channels yeah. and said, uh, "You better let him go now. This guy's serious." Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the thing. And people, you know, th- th- you know, th- he's people, no Jimmy Carter. Uh, and I think the word was given to Iran uh, as um, as uh, as uh, as Norman Mailer would say. Uh, somebody gave him the word, you know, that, if, that, that Ronald Reagan will will obliterate you. Your country will be a sheet of glass uh, because he was just because he was nuts. Uh, so. Da 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 da. Uh, Reagan, Iran. Oh, so here's the thing. The, the giveaway that we're going to be invading Iran is not that there are helicopters over like, uh, you know, uh, over like Selwood. The giveaway is that we keep saying we're going to invade Iran. I mean, that's really the that's the thing that sort of tips that hand. That we're... probably won't happen now, though. Well, I I don't know, man. I just uh, nah. uh, the, the, it seems like they probably can't do anything between now and the election because they're trying to quietly, you know, get us out of there. So it doesn't look like he left a mess, in other words, for right. the history books. Right. He, he well, they're going to try and make it look as good as they can for the Republicans for the Correct. upcoming election. Maybe we should have another banner hung up somewhere that says we've accomplished something. Uh, so, I mean, and they probably won't do anything right now because they don't want to They don't want to sort of grubby up McCain's chances mm-hmm. by saddling him with yet more sort of uh, the crap that he's got to deal with. But it does make you wonder what's going to happen when the election happens, regardless of which way it goes. Because, you know, they always they always said about Nixon, like the most dangerous time... 
in a president's life is after he's been elected to his second term. Because what he doesn't not run for anything. What does he care? You know, he's a lame duck. Uh, you know, and especially after this election. So, uh, if I were if I were the people of the Joint Chiefs, I might be disconnecting that first strike button uh, from now on. Uh, I think uh, somebody might decide to torch the planet out of, in a fit of pique. Right. Yeah. So the button's probably actually only you know connected to the candy machine. <laughs> Um, so, uh, do you have any more convention stuff? I do for later. Uh, uh for later in the day or later in this program? Uh, later in this program. Okay, so do you, should I, would you like me, Tim, to hold my convention thoughts until later? I have if, a whole bunch. If you can. I have a bunch of notes. I can, I can do anything. I have one more story, can, and then right. we'll get back to conventions. Okay. Well, people in, uh, Chico can breathe a sigh of relief. It was not a two-mile-long island of, uh, human, uh, waste floating down their river after all. Hooray! I mean, can you imagine swimming? The kids are all out there. Oh, my God, look what's heading toward us. A big island of you-know-what. Well, it turned out to be al- uh, algae that just looks like feces. And when it dries, it looks like uh, clumpy brown material, which is usually equated with something else. Where is this at? Chico, California. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they saw what appeared to be uh, originally toilet paper stuck to a boat. Health officials say the algae is common in the river this time of the year, and it doesn't even have to have any smell. So uh, it's okay to go swimming because it is not the island of uh, feces. It is not an island of poo. Right. All right. Well, thank God for that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hello. Uh, convention and all, I was going to call and let you know I'm a uh, ta- cab driver here in Denver. Excellent. And uh, I wanted to extend uh, free cab services to any of the CNN radio crew that may need cab service as well in town for the convention. You are a good person. Uh, so uh, let me. So you are you are a cab driver in Denver. Now, uh, yeah. are you? How does that work in Denver? Do you you own the car? You rent the car? How does that work? Uh, you uh, mostly just give money to the cab company and uh, gas companies. Uh, so then, so basically, know, it's just left. it's the man giving you a good shafting, as it always is. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, Democrats. Uh, Tell you though, seriously. Uh, so, but it's yeah, it's got to be. That was just I was just going to ask that. Uh, so it's got to be a good time for you right now because you got people needing to get somewhere. Democrats and the people who are there for the convention, uh, would, do they tip better or worse than the average Joe? Uh, you know, it's funny. They're all much more wealthy, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, they're they're a little tight. Yeah, well. Never, I mean, really, ah, never mind. I was going to make a cheap joke about Democrats and them, them getting in the cab and then taking your money and never, it's beneath me. Um, so <laughs> I uh, would say this, though. Uh, tipping goes up directly related to how much guilt that person feels. Really? Yeah, precisely. So yeah, I think you bought a scratch happening in the background there. Um, oh, I'm sorry. That was my high-tech credit card machine. So when you say that tipping goes up proportional to how much guilt they feel, give us an example of what kind of thing you're talking about. Um, a rich, older white man mm-hmm. tips very well. A young, uh, rich, rich white man tips incredibly well. So you're, oh, right, okay, so that's, so that's the thing. So if you can leverage their liberal guilt, uh, and liberals are just, liberals love nothing more than guilt and, and failing. And so well, they, you, uh, can, you can just wring that for just all the money they got. Well, and, and to tell you the truth, I'm working, which means that I am not uh, necessarily worthy of somebody else's sympathy. You should completely – oh, great idea. You, sir, uh, we were just – I don't know if you are able to listen to the show. Uh, do you listen to the show there? Are you able to listen Only while you drive? I podcast when I can. Unfortunately, I don't have a, a radio station All right, or, so, or radio quite capable of picking you up. Uh, if you get an iPhone, I'm not telling you you have to do that, but I'm saying if in the future you ever get an iPhone, you can listen live to the show on the iPhone. Um, so, so, Tom, you are a Denver cab driver. So we were just talking earlier 
today. You can hear this about how at the conventions they always roll out the personal anecdotes about some suffering person they met and how it's going to be better for them when they get elected. Where you know, like you know, where like somebody would say, "I met a mill worker who works for five cents an hour," you know, and he tries to feed his family and whatever. You should create one of those hard luck stories for yourself. Try to become one of those personal anecdotes that one of the people talks about at the convention, where they go, "I met a cab driver." He was born without legs. He saved his entire childhood to buy legs. And now, you know, or whatever, just create some fantastic bad luck story for yourself uh, that you can that you can roll out. Try to get a little more uh, tip money for yourself. Maybe work yourself into a speech. They mention you. Rick, I'm a glorious bastard. That means I am a bad luck story. All right. Well, see, there you go. That's what I'm saying. So just I would here's what I would do. Maybe uh, maybe the next time you're talking to somebody, you pick up a, a fair and you think that they got a little bit of money. Maybe they got a little uh, a little poll with the you know with the, with the Democratic uh, committee. So maybe they got a little uh, cash on them. I if I were you, I would just come up with one or two small, sad, totally fabricated details about your life to drop That's into conversation. Hard to check. Totally. What details could he drop into a conversation with a fair that would get him a higher tip? Anyone? Tim, mm, he uh, he wears a metal plate in his skull. Metal plate in your skull. Uh, you want to know something really funny, Rick? I actually have a bone plate in my skull. A, a what? I actually do. I have. I had a uh, a bone graft. I had a, my horse, head kicked in by a horse when I was a child. Who knew they could do a bone I, graft? I, yeah. All right. Yeah, they sh- they shaved part of my skull off and put it on another part of my skull. How great is that? Hey, I you know what there's a my hard life. Story, Rick. All right, so Fantastic. there you go. So Rick. I would say that and then say you have eight kids. Oh, yeah, I do. I, <laughs> you were raised by a single mother. Oh, raised by a single mother. Yeah. Totally. Raised by a single, I am a single mother. All right. Um, Fantastic. What Rick, is, Richard, which one of the uh, CNN correspondents is here? Uh, Steve, Steve Kastenbaum is there. Lisa Desjardins is there. Uh, maybe some other folks, but Lisa and Steve are the two who we know are there. Uh, Lisa is at the CNN Grill, and Steve is at the Pepsi Center. That is fantastic. Well, everybody needs to get back and forth. Um, I can, like I said, give them my number. I will pass it on to the call to uh, to Richie. You know, yes, pass it on to me. Absolutely. And, Excellent. Uh, like I said, free, free. Any spore bird of yours is a spore bird of mine. Friend. Excellent. You're a good person. All right, put you on hold. Richie, will get your details. Thank you, sir. All right, uh, Richie, can you talk to that guy? Come on, how great is this audience? That's awesome. Right. It really is. It's is the best audience ever, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do one more. Should we take a break? Are we at that time? Yeah, we uh, are. Let's do one more, Tim. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Here's what we're going to do on the other side. We'll talk to, uh, I think we'll talk to Sarah. She's in New York. Uh, then we will do the mystery top five. Uh, and uh, for that, they will be offering a, a copy of The Shield Season 6 on DVD. Then at that point, we'll probably break more news. Uh, then we'll try to do today's actual top five. Let's do uh, one more here. Uh, Don Imus calls Barack Obama a phony. And by the way, I don't detest Senator Obama at all. I just think he's, I, I just think he's disingenuous and a phony. That's the first time anybody's talked about Imus in months. In other news, Don Imus is still alive and broadcasting somewhere. Yeah. All right. At some station nobody ever talks about. And in New York. To be in New York and never be talked about. It, that really you does. Might as well be dead. It takes some doing uh, for you to be on a radio station in New York, which is the number one radio market in the country, and yet to have everybody kind of going, I thought he was dead. Yeah. So, all right. Oh, by the way, the Iran hostages were released at approximately the same time Reagan was giving his inauguration speech, says this oh, clarifier. Yeah. Uh, because they knew that he was... Uh, he, for good and bad, Reagan was not a man to be trifled with. Uh, all right. Shall we take a break here? We'll come back uh, on the other side. Sarah Dillon joining us from Manhattan. Uh, we'll also do the mystery top five. Later on, we'll do the actual top five. Uh, more news from Tim Riley. We'll do convention notes. i got to do last night's convention notes today, because otherwise I'm going to be doing last night's convention notes tomorrow, which means tomorrow's convention notes and tonight's convention notes will be this never happen. So. 
da 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 And so forth. Back after this. All right. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. All right, uh, so here's what we got coming up at this hour, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we will be talking to Sarah Dillon, I think. Hey, Richie, can you do me a favor? Can you see if we can rustle up Sarah? I don't know what she's doing. I don't know if she's busy or she's uh, she's doing a thing, doing whatever it is she does. Uh, so if we can try to track down Sarah Dillon, that would be fantabulous. Uh, I'm not going to tell Sarah this until she gets back. Maybe I'll tell her on the phone. I hold in my hands right here. Uh, the brand new, we're not going to play any of this, just let me say that right up front. I hold in my hand the brand new uh, CD from the New Kids on the Block. It is simply titled The Block, and it is produced by Donnie Wahlberg, always the mark of quality. Uh, so I do believe we have Chris Paddock to thank for this. Um, and they're on the uh, they're on the front. I mean, this is this is what I'm talking oh, Never mind. You know, I realize now I'm just wading into a conversation about the New Kids on the Block. Doesn't matter. I'm just going to point this out. I got a couple observations to make about this New Kids on the Block CD that I'm holding in my hand. First of all, how weird is it that there's a new CD from the New Kids on the Block? Uh, second of all, they're doing the thing on the back, which does, to be fair, work kind of well. They are striking, quite literally striking, the Reservoir Dogs uh, pose on the back. Uh, right there. They got the... Uh, oh, yeah. Right there, like they're going to come to your house and talk to you about the Word of Jesus. Uh, so they get, they're doing the Reservoir thing, uh, dogs, uh, walk on the back. Also, this... Here's the thing that I think maybe the record industry needs to realize. Making the FBI anti-piracy warning larger and larger and larger on the back has approximately the same effect as making the Surgeon General's warning larger and l You could make the entire package of cigarettes just the Surgeon General's warning. Well, maybe maybe they just aren't seeing it. <laughs> maybe maybe they maybe they didn't know. I uh, Okay, well, maybe we'll make it. It's like they, they used to do that thing with the parental advisory sticker. Uh, Tipper Gore had the, you know, the PMRC had the parental advice. Boy, you want to talk about a person who we've all forgotten about. Everybody in this planet has forgotten about Tipper Gore and the PMRC, unless you are really, uh, I would say unless you're between, unless you're between the ages of like 30 and 40, you probably don't. Kristen, PMRC? You don't remember those. I don't. Think you kind of know of it, maybe, the PMRC yeah. hearings about rock and roll? Yeah. Unless you're between the ages of 30 and 40, you had the fortune of missing out on that. When Tipper Gore busybody housewife uh, decided to get a bunch of other busybody housewives together and started investigating rock and roll lyrics and blah 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 and it was just stupid oh kind of like how they do the hip hop now exactly yeah. uh, or video games it's like it's oh, kind of yeah. it's what they do to grand theft auto now uh and so uh, but it was dipper gore and a bunch of her like housefrau friends were up there i mean it was just it, you think it's freaking retarded even to think about it the con congressional i'm getting mad about something that was like 30 years ago congressional investigations into twisted sister records I mean, it just sounds stupid uh, I mean, it really is only one shade smarter than that whole thing where the FBI was investigating Louie Louie, which is like a little bit of lunacy from the past. Or comic books. Or, or comic yeah. books. Every generation's got its own boogeyman. So, um, but, but you know, but they had this whole thing at the PMRC where they were investigating, uh, you know, uh, rock and roll, and they had this whole series of celebrity, uh, uh, um, uh, um, not defendants, but you know, people were testifying. And they had, among them, John Denver, which was great. It was great to see John Denver right between Frank Zappa and uh, Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister. Are you serious? Oh, it was great. Oh, no, they had all of these sort of, you know, I forget what the actual term is. It's not witnesses. But, you know, they had all these folks who were coming in who were going to testify on behalf of rock and roll or whatever. And I'll just give a little crash course here if you didn't, if you weren't around for the PMRC hearings. So 
they do the PM, PMRC hearings where they're trying to talk about you, trying to figure out whether rock and roll is dangerous for young minds and whatever. And, and they do the thing they always do where they find the worst example of something and an example so obscure that, like, you don't even know anybody who owns it. Like, records you couldn't buy if you tried. And they, like they do with video games. This is a video game, and the sole point of this video game is to uh, chop up uh, uh, babies and make them into a stew, you know, or whatever. They'll find some game, and it's like a game no one has ever heard of. What's this game called? It's called uh, it's called uh, Kill Your Parents, and uh, it's a big it's a big seller for us. What do you do? Well, um, it's a, it's an entire game predicated on shooting your parents in the face and uh, then uh, running to Peru. And it's like, a, and it'll be a game that no one has ever played, but it's like they'll drag it out as this sort of definitive example. And so they did this with. Uh, with rock albums, and they would find albums by bands that no one, like that, like not even the biggest metal listener, had ever heard of, with lyrics that were just you know vile and hideous. But it was like some, it was like some album they found under a couch, uh, like somewhere in Pensacola, that like one copy of the record existed, and they would hold this up as the definitive, like this is why rock is evil. And so they brought in all these folks to testify, and you know the usual parade of like, uh, you know quack psychiatrists and whatever. And then on the testifying on behalf of the music uh, the, the, the musicians, they had Frank Zappa, who was great. You know, this is razor sharp as he always was. And then they had Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister, uh, who, by the way, who Al Gore did refer to as Mr. Sister. Uh, and then between the two, though, they had John Denver, which is just great because you got Frank Zappa, who's all hilarious and smart and scatological and whatever. Uh, and then you had John Denver, who's just like you know, just like sort of a Pollyanna Mickey Mouse guy, you know, up there with like his you know his happy glasses on and you know and his all shucks delivery and his like weird like page boy haircut. And then you had the and then you had Dee Snyder. And the best moment, best moment of the entire hearing is when Al Gore is talking to Dee Snyder. And there's in fact we just played this bump earlier today. It's a song called SMF. And there is a thing on the inside of the Stay Hungry album, and it says, join the SMF fan club. You know, send the self-addressed stamped envelope to whatever. And Al Gore says, like in congressional hearings that are being seen all over the world, Al Gore says, Mr. Sister, you have uh, something on the inside of your record that says, uh, join the SMF uh, fan club for Twisted Sister. What does that mean? And like without even missing a beat, didn't even hesitate, D. Snyder just says, it stands for the sick uh, MFing uh, fans of Twisted Sister, except he didn't say MFing. Uh, right there, and he was like, yeah! Awesome. Yeah! And it was just like a three-point, like, you know, three-point right in your face. So an outgrowth of that was that that parental advisory explicit list, uh, lyric sticker, which is now defiling fantastic album artwork. Though, I mean, to this day... Just like some sort of congressional. Were they card me for a CD when I was eighteen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just like some. It's like some. It's like some c congressional leprosy that just infected albums everywhere that you can't quite get rid of. And I remember seeing these albums come out that had beautiful cover art, uh, where it was really just like a very uh, like a great painting or a drawing or a photograph, uh, like the uh, Faith No More album Angel Dust, which had a beautiful album cover, and then just marred by this horrible, stupid, freaking sticker they put on the front of it. And over time, the sticker got bigger and bigger and bigger. And so maybe kids don't know that it, maybe parents don't know that this album has profanity. And that's what they did with the Surgeon General's warning. And that's not what they're doing with this, the anti-piracy thing here on the back of the CD. So, side note, somebody who makes cigarettes ought to manufacture a kind. They ought to make a brand of cigarette where the full package or the carton just is the Surgeon General's warning. Right there. Bam. And just and just call the, call the cigarettes like like Kilias or something, or just call the that cigarette such a cult following. It's like Black Death cigarettes, which they don't sell yeah. anymore. Uh, they ought to just make a kind of cigarette called Surgeon General's Warning. You know what I mean? You just go in there, give me a pack of Surgeons, light it up. Um, final thought before we move on. 
I'm looking here at the new uh, new kids on the block CD. I'm just going to say that I remember a time when, and this does seem to be more prevalent in certain genres than in others. I do remember a time when every song did not have to feature appearances by 50 different artists who you Seriously. probably don't care about. I mean, it, really, it is refreshing, and I know this makes me sound old, but I would, I will say that it is refreshing every now and again. You pick up a record, and there's just like, and, it, and every track isn't like featuring, insert 900 other guys about whom you could not possibly care less. Or the day that Lil Wayne isn't on everything. <laughs> Seriously. Or like, Little John was the guy who was doing that, the, the uh, guy. Where it, it, you got the feeling that he was in some recording studio, and he was just walking by every room, and they would just like lean the microphone out the door, and he would go like ah, you know, or whatever, or something, or whatever, uh, and that you know, and that would be Master P was the same way. And when did it become badass for somebody to have the name Lil, L I L? That's a good point. Yeah. You know, when I when I was a boy, Lil was just used uh, for bad spin-off uh, comic books. Seriously. All right, there you go. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, Sarah Dillon. Where where are you at? Hi, I'm in um, I'm in a mall like in deep in Brooklyn. I think it's called the Fulton Mall. It's uh-huh. ridiculous. And so what There's is it? So much- like colorful clothes and very interesting people and stuff. It's really cool. So I uh, gave sort of a, a Cliff's Notes discussion earlier, uh, the description of the call you, we had last night, the call you and I shared, where you were calling me from. I guess you maybe you were not actually in the club. Maybe you were out somewhere getting a Sparks or whatever, but it was the club where Andrew W.K. was DJing. Yes, Andrew W.K. was spinning records, and literally he was like standing right in front of me, picking out all of his favorite music and whatnot, and there were only like ten people in the club. I'm like, do they not realize the god that is Andrew W.K. standing up there right this very second? And you said that most of the people there didn't they didn't even really know who he was. They weren't even really familiar. No, none of Heather's friends really knew what. They're like, oh, yeah, I heard he's like some good DJ guy. I'm like, good DJ guy? My, <laughs> my soul cried a little bit. I'm like, really? So did really? you did you get the guy to kind of go up and get get up closer to meet him? No, I mean, no, he was up, up there kind of doing his thing, like, spinning uh-huh. records all night. But, I mean, he was there the whole time. We ended up staying for a couple hours, and he did not leave his post once. He was just uh, up there. It looked like he was having a good time. He is, and, an, and I will say, you know, I'm pretty, he is an attractive man in person. He is a very good-looking man. He was wearing, like, this tight black T-shirt last night, too, and his hair was all, like, blowing in the wind. He was yeah, great. Very excellent. Handsome. Excellent. And then today I've been riding my bike all day. I'm with my uh, sister's boyfriend, and we rode from Brooklyn uh, down to the Williamsburg Bridge down from the Williamsburg Bridge all the way uh, down to the bottom, like near the Statue of Liberty, rode all the way up to uh, West 82nd, and then now we, then we rode through Queens, and now we rode back down to Brooklyn. Fantastic. So, yeah, it's been like hours and hours of bike riding. It's been really cool. Uh, so this, uh, so wait, so today, I don't remember what today is. Today's Wednesday, so you're there through what? You're coming back Sunday, something like that. Yep, I get back Sunday night. So what are what are the other big sort of events on the horizon, if any? Uh, tomorrow night we're actually going to watch a screening of The Shining that's um, against the Brooklyn Bridge. Oh. They project it against the Brooklyn Bridge, and like there are the stars and the bridge and the avenue you can bring your own wine. Oh, and I'm so jealous. Sit there and chill out. Yeah, I watched it, you know, um, uh, Blue Velvet in an abandoned pool in Brooklyn a couple of that nights ago. That was oh. really cool. You watched Blue Velvet in an abandoned pool? In a, yeah, in an abandoned pool. Yeah, they, there's this huge pool that used to be a city pool, and they drained it. Now they have big concerts and stuff there, and they also show movies. So, yeah, at, at dusk we sat and watched Blue Velvet and drank beer and, um, in the middle of this, like, old empty pool. It was the coolest thing. That is so cool. I mean, it really, and as much as I love Portland, you know, the thing about New York, and we were saying this to somebody the other day, it really is just like a big live-action role-playing game. You never know what's around the corner or what you're going to be doing. Oh, it is so exciting. I couldn't believe it. I don't even know what I'm going to do tonight, but I'm totally excited for it since something's going to pop up. Excellent. All right. Uh, what is the last fantastic thing you ate? Um, oh, my God. I went to, I didn't even, yeah, I went to a Grave Papaya, but that has, like, the best hot dogs in all of New York. Oh, yeah, that guy, their listener recommended that. 
Dude, it was so good. For um, for three fifty, you get two hot dogs and a drink, and they one of the drink options is papaya juice. And so you take a bite of the hot dog, and you cover it with, like, sauerkraut and all this stuff, and then drink some papaya juice. I swear, it's, like, the best taste in the world. Uh, all right. Well, now I have so to go to good. New York. Uh, now, see, I got a new, I don't know when when I'm going to get a chance to do it, but now i got to go back to New York again. So. Oh, you've got to. You, yeah, this is your city, man. Uh, by the way, I will tell you, when you return, whenever uh, on Monday, I hold in my hands the entire new CD from the New Kids on the Block. Have you listened to it? No, no, of course, no. Okay. No, <laughs> I know. Uh, no, 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 uh, Paddock got us the hookup with this, so I have the new New Kids on the Block CD in my hand, so that will be yours when you return. That is so awesome. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I miss you guys very much. Although I'm having fun, I, I do miss Portland and everyone. Uh, well, uh, well, enjoy the rest of your day. Well, call us tomorrow and let us know uh, what happens uh, tomorrow, and enjoy the, uh, enjoy the rest of your night. Say hello to Heather for me. Okay, will do. Have a good time. Thank you, Sarah. All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Sarah Dillon. Uh, there in New York City. I'm so Fantastic. jealous she got to see Blue Velvet there. Yeah, in a swimming pool. Yeah. That is pretty righteous. And that scene, The Shining, underneath the Brooklyn Bridge ain't bad either. Uh, it's like the, the last time I was in L.A., uh, I went to this place, the Forever Hollywood Cemetery, and they do this thing where they show movies every Saturday in the cemetery. Uh, and so there's this huge open lawn space right in the middle, but it's, of course, the whole thing is just surrounded by tombstones. And then they... It's an outdoor thing. It's a very kind of a kink thing in a way because it's like a there's like a wine and cheese company that sponsors it or something. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you go out there and you spread out. You bring a you know dinner. You spread out your blanket. You sit there and in the middle of the cemetery and they project a movie on the on the outside. You're sitting outside on the wall of the mausoleum. And uh, we saw the apartment with Jack Lemmon uh, and Shirley MacLaine. But they do it every summer and every summer the final film is Night of the Living Dead, which is just nice. like. So great. The uh, fact that she's watching The Shining is a perfect uh, fusion, too, because it was filmed partially in Oregon. It is. Oh, yeah. there you go. I didn't even think about that. See, that's why you're smart, and I'm just a guy who talks. I just opened my meth yap. Uh, let's do one more, and then we'll see if we have time to do the mystery top five. Hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Be entertaining. Well, you know, there was that bit on um, on the Dennis Leary No Cure for Cancer CD about calling the PACs tumors. And how they should just make the pack the Surgeon General's warning. So. Oh, see, well, there you go. So somebody already, like all good jokes, I was beaten to the punch on that it one. It was, it was there. Hey, that thing about the uh, the gecko in the amber. Yeah. Isn't the re-release -re of uh, Empire and Jedi where uh, Han Solo gets encased in amber? And then they make a, uh, and then they make a theme park out of him in the future by extracting his blood. Yes, exactly that. All right, thank you. All right. Hey, just a little side note about the a little side note about Jurassic Park. Uh, I'm not the first person to make this observation, but I am going to make this observation. You know, the, I don't know the last time we saw Jurassic Park was, but there's that whole sequence at the beginning where what's his name? I always want to call him Ed Harris, but that's not right. Who's the uh, the, the guy? Plays uh, he's the main scientist. Guy. It doesn't matter. You know who I'm talking about. The main scientist. Um, and so he's there with Laura Dern at the beginning, and they're on location, and they're, they they got the little kids, and there's a little kid that is like talking about how the velociraptor doesn't seem very scary and so he the, the, the scientist does a thing of like taking the claw and like demonstrating like imagine that he cuts out your entrails with this hook or whatever and he's demonstrating like how the, to the kid how the velociraptor would, would attack him you know, having just seen that movie again a couple weeks ago i can't tell if it's a boy or a girl i can't sat there for like 15 minutes watching going are you a boy are you a girl are you neither are you both what's going on so just uh there you go you know what's cool about jurassic park the first time i saw it was in a drive-in Really? Yeah. That's Over on cool. Foster, it was it closed like six months after that. Uh, I do believe somebody told me there's one remaining drive-in in this in this in Portland in this uh, this general part of the. I uh, think there's one. It's either in, I think it's in Sherwood. Yeah, I don't know where it is. Somebody told me that there that there is one. Mm -hmm. Oh, hey, we got this, Rick. Somewhere in my basement, I have the whole PMRC hearing on VHS. If I can find it, I'll burn you a copy on DVD. Mm. There you go. 
he said, you're right, Zappa was brilliant, made the senators involved in the kangaroo court look like idiots. I'm not a big Frank Zappa fan. I'm not a fan. Frank Zappa's one of those guys, I'm not a fan of his music, but I'm just a fan of him. I like him in person. You know, George, just as a person, I liked, I liked, he had a great sort of, you know, just a great intellect and a great, very sort of dark wit to him that I liked a lot. All right, you tell me. Uh, we're probably going to have to only do one of these top fives today. Yeah. All right. So let's do this. We will uh, take a break. We'll come back. Tim Riley with more news. And then we will more than likely do the mystery top five for a copy of The Shield Season 6 on DVD. Don't call it yet, but we'll be uh, doing that just in a few here. It's uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and uh, neighbors, Romans, countrymen, children, stay there. We're back after this. <laughs> It's the Rick Emerson radio program. It is uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming by. All right. Are you able to uh, to hear those? Are you going to be able to identify them? Here's what's happening. Uh, so, as usual, uh, something is going wrong uh, that it's my fault. Uh, so, we have this mystery top five uh, we're going to be doing, and I think that the goal is to do that now. If necessity... It, 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 it's going to take me forever to deduce which songs are which. I don't even know how to do this now. So here's here's just a little peek behind the curtain before we go to the news desk. So we have uh, two different top fives. I have this top five. It's the top five uh, B songs uh, that are better than the A side, B sides that are better than the A side. And then we have a mystery top five that I found lurking in the audio vault from like two years ago. And the mystery top five, uh, the deal was going to be... Uh, that we will uh, we would play it, and then if you could come up with a theme, if you could correctly identify the theme, and I do know what the theme of this one was, uh, then you win a copy of The Shield on DVD. What I neglected to do, though, uh, was to actually make a list of the songs, and I'm, I'm assuming they're not labeled in the AV. No. So, well, I guess we can just do it, and uh, I can just tell you what the songs are. We can just sort of we can just sort of add a little bit. That's how we'll do it. All right, then that's what we're going to do. No one heard this conversation. Take it out and post are we doing news? Yes. Oh, sorry. Sure. And now, no. from the Ministry <laughs> of the top five. Ah, it's okay. We're going to do it just the same. No, no, no. We'll do the top five here in just a moment. Okay. That was, uh, no, it was not clear enough in my instructing. I'm sorry. Former trailblazer Kevin Duckworth died of heart complications. The autopsy results are out. Apparently, combined with high blood pressure, it caused a, quote, marked enlargement, unquote, of his heart, resulting in congestive heart failure. His heart had been failing for quite some time. Well, well, let's back up for a second. First of all, his heart had been failing for quite some time. Yeah. How long could it... I don't mean... I'm not trying to be flip about this. I really am asking this sincerely. How long can your heart be failing before you're dead? That seems like a pretty... Years. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, they have congestive heart failure, which can take like five or six years. Now, see, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to make light of it. I thought when they said congestive heart failure, I thought that was a thing that like came on and like, bam, dead. I thought it was. I thought when your heart started to fail, like you were your host. I didn't know it was. It could be an ongoing or slowly degenerative uh, condition. I had no idea. All right. Well. Okay. There you go. Speaking of almost dead, it's his here. Creator Syndicate is pleased to announce that Robert Novak will be writing occasional columns. So he has one today about Lieberman, but who knows if it's a ghostwriter or not? Well, that's that's the thing. It's going to be like the uh, it's going to be like the George Burns deal, where there should be you know from the desk of. Uh, so it'll be, so Bob Novak will now be the uh, he'll be the conservative uh, he'll be the conservative political VC Andrews just comes out names on the front who knows who writes it. A Florida teen has been arrested for chasing his mother with a knife and beating his brother with sugar cane. Where? What? Florida. I'm sorry, I was all distracted by the sugar cane. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Uh, Orlando police report the 15-year-old became outraged when his computer privileges were limited and he began throwing objects and attacking his family. He's charged with aggravated assault and battery and taken into custody. Attempting to control-alt-delete his mother. Mm-hmm. Well, not to be forgotten because he already is, and nobody apparently saw this anywhere. At the convention last night, Dennis Kucinich I delivered see. the ultimate wake-up call that nobody received. Nope, am I potted up here? Nobody received this. Up with peace! Up with prosperity! Oh, God. Up with the Democratic Party! Up with Obama! Up with Biden. Wake up, America! Wake up, America! I'm embarrassed for all of us right now. Can you play that one more time just so we can revel in the horror? Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Dennis Kucinich, beloved by Portlanders. Up with prosperity! Up with the Democratic Party! Up with Obama! Biden! It just reminds me of a munchkin from The Wizard of Oz. That's just dumb. Uh, nobody was listening. In no, America. nobody was listening. And so, uh, I know, I know that we make fun of Dennis Kucinich a lot on the show. But I mean, really, well, I mean, fun. it's it's fun, and he's an e- yeah, it's fun, and he's an easy target. You know what I mean? That is a it's a Dennis Kucinich is a softball right down over the plate. So, Dennis going to wake up. Dennis Kucinich is one of those guys, though, that I don't understand why he was invited to speak. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's just kind of, I mean, I'm no one to point fingers here, but I'm going to point a finger. He's just such a, he's such an, an irritating malcontent. Uh, I mean, really, what? I mean, does somebody owe him money? Does he have incriminating photos of somebody? I don't understand why when Barack Obama, God love him, is trying to do everything he can to mainstream the Democratic Party this year. And they're trying very hard to lose some of the, the wackos and nutcases that seem to define that group of folks. That you would then give Dennis Kucinich a microphone. Well, somebody did, but this this is the first time that that's been heard I mean, anywhere. Well, that, that nobody was, talked about it, nobody showed it, nobody played it. That leads to uh, some of my other points. So I have a, a few observations about last night's uh, convention. Who wants to hear them? I want to hear them all. Thank you. And I'll sit here till they're all done. <laughs> you want to hear them in triplicate, yeah. done at half speed? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, a couple. These are just random stream of consciousness observations I made last night. Some of these are worth dwelling upon. Some of them are not. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is, so Hillary comes on the screen last night, and this is, I'm not trying to say that this is just, I'm not trying to do like a, men are like this, but women are like this thing. But so, like, Hillary comes on the screen, and I'm going to get on, she's talking, and she's doing her thing, and she's talking about, you know, uh, I met a, I met a cab driver with a plate in his head, or whatever. She's, you know, she's, she's talking about whatever she's talking about. And I'm filing away observations and stuff, and meanwhile, my wife just says this. I wrote this down. My wife goes, Hey, we should do our living room the same color as her pantsuit. So there you go. So that was the big. That was the thing that my wife uh, got out of the convention last night. It's an exciting new shade of orange or whatever for, for our living room. Uh, let's see. Hillary did have she had one great line that she used all the way through the primaries, and she re. I, I, I was pleased to see that she rewrote it and reused it last night. She had that line during the primaries. Which was pretty great. I mean, it was the sort of thing. It was a legitimately moving line, even when spoken by Hillary, where she said. My mother was born when women couldn't vote, and tonight she is at home watching her daughter on television running for president, which was a great line. And she recycled it last night uh, into some other, I don't know, my mother was born when women couldn't vote and, you know, whatever, blah, 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 here I am, da, da, da. So, So she reused that line. Also, Hillary, I want to know who, I wish you could patent a hand gesture. You know, you know, like Pat Riley. She was Riley. practicing that, though, pointing at someone like she was looking at somebody directly. That she does that a couple times. And she's really good at it. And as uh, Dennis Miller has noted, and as we noted yesterday, I always assume 
you know, that when Hillary points at somebody, it means she doesn't know them. Mm -hmm. It's a totally insincere gesture. It's like a, hey, guy, there you go. You know, it's like one it's like one shade removed from the from the finger pistols when Hillary does it. And I, yeah, I totally agree with you. Mouse does it all the time. <laughs> when she, when she, right before he asks you to cough. Yes. Uh, and so when she does it, I just figure it's, it's somebody who's a complete stranger to her. But you know the gesture that Bill Clinton really just got the lock on and that she now uses, and you'll have to uh, bear with me, it is like you are making a soft fist with your hand with the thumb on the outside and then you're turning the thumb up. You know what I mean? Or almost like you're... It's almost like you're gripping a credit card between your thumb and your pointer finger, and you're sliding into one of those parking things downtown, and you're gesturing with that. And I think they must have had a focus. I'm doing it right now. I think they must have had a focus group that determined that if you actually are waving a fist, you look all strident. But people also don't like to be pointed at because then it seems accusatory. So they got this weird hybrid gesture that is like a fist, but it's like you're gesturing with, like, the knuckle of your pointer finger, and every... It, it's one of those hundredth monkey things where it's like in the Jungian consciousness. No one did it, and then Bill Clinton did it, and now it's everywhere. I mean, there ought to be a drinking game for every time you see a politician do this gesture with the hand. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? Um, well, I meant to ask Steve Kastenbaum about this. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. It was all that garbage they were peddling to us about how Florida and Michigan weren't going to get seated or weren't going to get good seats because they weren't playing by the rules. Oh, yeah. They're, like, right down on the front, man. They're right there. Right there. They're, they're on either side of Illinois, which is Barack's home state. I don't know who was selling us this lie that Florida and Michigan were going to do but didn't follow the rules, so they're going to get bad seat. That is, a, that is not what happened. So you know what? Next time around, nobody's going to follow the rules because there was no punishment brought to bear. What else do I have? Oh, and this goes to one of your points, Tim. Mm -hmm. You're saying that nobody saw Dennis Kucinich? No. So that convention's like five hours long. There's a good 40 minutes of content in that five hours. Yeah, other than that, you know, they need a magician or a mime or something else. They sit there looking at a blank stage. Exactly. I was so, I'm so glad you agree with this because I thought I was going to be the only one. Sort it's of like a saying. bad listener party. It is. <laughs> I, I, not I, that we ever had one. I just fell over. <laughs> well, no, but, uh, but, you know, really not since we've been here, but in the past... Uh, when I was working in other states, you would have sparsely attended right. uh, events for your radio station. I have been to events put put on by other shows and other radio stations where there's like 15 people that show up. We're always very careful to have something going on. Always. That's it, often, Even if it's the bottom of the barrel. And, people don't know after a couple of drinks. We'll be back eventually. <laughs> but there's always something going on on stage. Always. You, you will notice, if you go to a Rick Emerson uh, listener party, and we're not the only ones who do this, but Tim is right. You go to a Rick Emerson listener party, there is... You are never more than 10 minutes away from something happening on stage to sort of amuse you. Because that's, you know what, because let's be honest, as Don Geronimo used to say, we're one step above rodeo clowns. We are just there to dance for you. That's all we're there to do. We're just there to amuse. Nothing more or less than that. But, man, it's like the, the convention last night, it's just long stretches of nothing. Yeah. Just nothing. And so, they, you know, but they would keep saying, coming up later on, Hillary Clinton. It's like, imagine if you went to a concert. It, you know, to sit there and stare at an empty stage for how long? It, for hours, apparently. I think the Democratic convention last night is sort of like seeing Guns N' Roses in the early 90s, where the opening band would come on at 8. You know, Skid Row comes on, they play from 8 to like 9.15. Then it's four hours of waiting until Axl Rose decides that he's you know, willing to come on and, you know, and amuse you. He's sitting there waiting until 1 in the morning. When nothing is happening, and that's last night. So like, they kept saying, like, oh, coming up later, uh, Hillary Clinton. And then they would just have these long stretches where the camera was pointing sadly at the stage where nothing was happening. Yeah. And I think, 
And it, I, it was like when uh, JFK Jr.'s plane crashed into the ocean, they just showed a close-up of the ocean like he was going to reappear. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that? I think I see something. No it's, no, it's just a piece of wood. Wait. No. Uh, well, you're right. Yeah, there's, there's like hours and hours of nothing going on. If Susan Reynolds was running that convention, that wouldn't be happening. I do. I agree, and I also think this, and maybe you agree with me on this, Tim, yeah. uh, that I believe by the time we get to the next convention, by the time we get to the next convention, things are going to be uh, so stage-managed that literally they will probably have movies going all the time. They will have musical acts going all the, the time. puppet show or something. Uh, <laughs> I mean, people no longer have the time or inclination to sit around and just have nothing happening on stage. Yet they were for hours. Yeah, that, but that's my thing about the Democrats loving failure. Democrats just love to lose. They love to They have a fetish for losing. Anytime you hand them something on a, on a platter, Democrats, let me find a way to sully this. So that's what they were doing last night. Probably because they're always careful not to offend anyone. Uh, let's see what else. Speaking of things you don't care about, uh, this is one of my final notes. They had Janet Napolitano, who is the mayor of Arizona, uh, came out to speak last night. Her voice, or not the uh, the uh, governor of Arizona, yeah. uh, it, her voice is like a screwdriver turning inside your brain. I mean, really. It was. It, it, she sounded like she was barking out short orders at a truck stop somewhere. Well, she'll be running next time, then. So anyway, I've come to talk to you about a man who's going to be our next president. I mean, I'm glad I missed it. Really, I mean, she sounded like Sam Kinison in a dress, but not quite as charismatic. I mean, <laughs> I don't. Let me put it this way. I don't know anything about uh, Ms. Napolitano. I don't know anything about her. I don't know anything about her. Let's just put it that way. But really. If she was to show up at your house and tell you that she was there to install your aluminum siding or something, you would not blink twice. Like if she, I'm uh, I'm here to dig your ditches in the backyard. Uh, this is my bulldozer. My name is Janet. Uh, you know, it, it wouldn't you wouldn't strike you as, as odd at all. Um, let's see. Uh, I think that's I think that's pretty much it. Oh, except it's interesting though the Democratic Party isn't going to have um, John. My wife pointed this out. They're not going to have John Edwards speak because of course you know he was immoral and. It was, it was adulterous. And yet Bill Clinton is speaking tonight. I know you get points for being the president, but still, that is the sort of democratic hypocrisy that I do think irritates some well, people. I think that was a different type of relations. Probably. Um, all right. So uh, there you go. That's uh, There were I, no babies involved. Well, as far as we know. As far as, far as we know. <laughs> so I think that's pretty much it. I don't think I have anything else to say about the, about the convention from last night, except uh, that tomorrow we're going we're gonna to do a little bit of an Insta poll about, the, about something else. All right. Uh, we got a couple calls. Kristen Bowie, in your opinion, do we have time to do the mystery top five, uh, taking into account that we will have to do phone calls after? Have I once again run the clock too far? Yeah. Do I we've need to got be? About, we've, we've got about ten minutes that we can. I need to be destroyed. I really need to be taken out back somewhere and just dealt with appropriately. I, I try. Will you do me a favor? Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Will, uh, will I you? I won't be here. Oh, it's going to be James. Yeah. What time are you on till one? One. Yeah. You know, I just, the top five is just my Achilles heel. I always think I have more time than I do. I mentioned we need a longer program. All right. How about only doing half the top five? The top two and a half. <laughs> Here's your top one. And we're done. Uh, well, we, uh, then, let, then let's do this. Let me do these calls. Then, since we will not have time to do the mystery top five for the Shield thing, we'll do the mystery top five tomorrow. That'll give me time to actually go through and sort of write it all down. Mm-hmm. But on the other side of this break, we will do Richie Bristol trivia uh, for the oh, Shield uh, DVD. So let me do these two calls, then we'll break. We'll come back with Richie Bristol trivia. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. 
Uh, hey, Rick, you were talking about the drive-in. It's actually in Newburgh, and they're showing The Dark Knight as something else right now. Uh, I think they're showing The Dark Knight and WALL-E as a double feature. Uh, yes, it, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool thing to go. Excellent. Um, the other thing, as far as John Edwards, he's got to go through the steps like Clinton did. He gets in trouble. He goes through the period where he denies it and then says, no, no, I did it. People will hate him. And then by the time it's all over, everybody will love him, and the Republicans will be even more obsessed <laughs> Because they couldn't destroy another person. And then he'll be, uh, and then he will be. Uh, what is it? Then he'll be. Uh, he will have sort of uh, revitalized himself, and he will become an elder statesman. That's what always happens, right? I mean, even Richard Nixon. Uh, you know, you go through the tunnel, you come out on the other end, an elder statesman of American politics. I don't think it, he'd have an affair with some other it's woman. Like they, it's like as a party, they embrace flawed persons and, and and show that they too can make mistakes and then rise above and piss off the Republicans. Yeah, no, the Democrats, they embrace failure, both uh, both in other people and in their own uh, machinations. All right, thank you. Yep. Oh, traffic park, Sam Neill. Oh, that's it, Sam Neill. Thank you. Uh, this guy says, by the way, there was a drive-in once where now Division Street Cinemas is. In the 70s, they showed porn. Yes, porn. Imagine yeah. driving by and seeing porn on the big drive-in screen. Now it's a flea market, and I bought one of my dogs there. Really? You bought a dog at a flea market? Believe I it or not, I, I felt sorry for it because it was in Gresham. Are you talking about the 172nd area? I'm not sure, but there's a big produce store Yeah. before you get to it. and uh, I think they tore that down and built apartments. Oh, well, yeah. it was a couple years ago when I bought my dog there. All right, then. I, when I, was at, that, I wouldn't even think that would be legal, selling a dog in a flea market. All you got to do is give them cash and get a dog. Well, it is Gresham, I suppose. It, they, didn't, they wouldn't accept the check. <laughs> well, again, it is Gresham. In Gresham, Tim, I think I think people in Gresham probably learn to uh, distrust their fellow men. I've given yeah. a dog a better life. However, it's never forgotten its puppyhood. It'll kill anyone that tries to get near its food. Yeah, well, you know, that's... Even but, though it's lived in the suburbs all its life, it still is a Gresham gal deep down. Mine just runs away from everyone. <laughs> not, and it's from Sheridan. Not a stereotype Gresham girl. Oh, no, 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 it's fine. You can take the dog out of the Gresham, but, you know, I understand exactly how that works. I mean, you come from disadvantageous circumstances. Uh, those things stay with you, Tim. Hey, so. I've tried the best I can to forget. Hey, you know what? I mean, you know, uh, uh, somebody I know, how do I put this? Somebody I know who, um, somebody I know who works with people who maybe are um, going through a personal difficulty or crisis. It's, let's say, that, let's put it this way. It's somebody who works with, with uh, folks who uh, need help from the state for various things. Mm -hmm. um, made an observation kind of like you just made with the dog. She's like, you know, sometimes you just want to take the kids and just run. She's like, you want to take the kids and run and just give them to anybody else knowing they'd be better off. Yeah, these puppies were in the birdcage. Oh, are you kidding me? Oh, it just makes me angry. See, I can't even. If think I had about money, that. I would have bought more than one. Oh man! And then uh, well, this dog is a better life. Yeah, and then a taser to go back and deal with the owners appropriately. Seriously. All right. Still one more. Are you going to prepare news, Tim? Oh yes, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back at four, five, six, and seven, uh, top of the hour, all the way through. Like us, we'll do one more, then we'll break. We'll come back. We'll do Richie Bristol trivia for the Shield season six. Hi, uh, how can I help you? Yeah, I'll make it as quickly as possible. You were talking about Hillary uh, the night before. Hillary, you had Obama's wife talking. Yeah. And I don't know if you picked this up. She was talking about, oh, you know, I'm a mother of two and blah, blah, blah. And I'm a wife of Obama. Well, last night, Hillary was talking. She started off, you know, I'm a mother, and then I'm a Democrat. I'm a New York senator. She goes on and on and on, does not say anything about being married whatsoever. I don't know if you caught that or not. I, I didn't, but it doesn't surprise me because Bill Clinton really is the very definition at this point of a double-edged sword. You know, he he, he is he is all the good news and bad news. I mean, really, in a way, 
I don't mean to sound too florid about this, but Hunter Thompson once said that, that Richard Nixon just embodied sort of the dark side of the American dream, that he was sort of all that was venal and incurably violent about the American character. But really, Bill Clinton is almost the most American person who's ever lived, because because on the one hand, uh, you know, he embodies all that is good and bad about the American character. You know, he comes from poor circumstances, single mother, he works hard, you know, he rises above it, he becomes very educated, you know, he obviously does care about other people to some degree. On the other hand, he's just like slimy and weaselly and just can't be trusted as far as you can throw him. And he just shoves French fries into his mouth on a seemingly ongoing basis. Uh, and just as, you know, at the office groping young girls when his wife isn't around and then sort of lies about it. And he's just, he's all that is good and bad about America. Yeah, that, and plus he loves women from Lane Bryant. That's, what, that's, that's a fair point, sir. All right, thank you. Bye now. All right, there you go. I mean, Bill Clinton is... One more Nixon observation, then we have to break. Uh, Richard Nixon had this famous thing he said, um, which is he um, he was talking about JFK because Nixon had this whole obsession and hatred of JFK because he felt like the Kennedy. I can say this now that Tim's gone. Uh, he felt like the Kennedys were spoiled and rich and had everything handed to him and you know they stole the election and whatever, all, all of which is true. And but Nixon had this thing, you know, about JFK, about how the the, the American people loved JFK. But they would never love him, Nixon, even though they elected him. And JSK, JFK said this, uh, Nixon said this great thing. He said, when they look at JFK, they see what they want to be. When they look at me, they see what they are. And it really is a very salient point. But when I mean, with Clinton, it's the same thing. You look at Clinton and you're like, he's just, you see so much about Clinton that you that you would like to see in yourself. And then you see so much about Bill Clinton that you probably do see in yourself. And I go, oh, God, I and suck. And what's sad is they both have extremely high IQs. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Nixon was one of the smartest presidents in the last hundred years. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, well, you know, it goes with being an evil genius. Yeah. You and can't. I, I heard Bill has an IQ of like 186. Oh, man. Clinton yeah. is like, well, Clinton is the very definition of the guy who's like, you know, so smart the rules don't apply to him. Yeah, that's what they used to say about me. It's called the rules don't. Richard thinks the rules apply to everybody but him. And Nixon thought the same way. Clinton thought the same way. Nixon sort of, though, is like president as mad scientist. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, if you, if you, if you, is it so hard to picture Nixon down in the bowels of the White House working on a doomsday ray? No. no. All right. Let's take a break. We'll take caller five right now to play Richie Bristol trivia on the other side for a copy of The Shield Season 6 uh, on DVD. Caller five. 503-733-2970. Right now plays Richie Bristol trivia for a copy of The Shield Season 6. Here's Skid Row. All right, we now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include, I believe, Dorothy Cassisari uh, for the National Enquirer and uh, so forth. All right, it is time to play Richie Bristol Trivia uh, for your shot at the, C uh, the Shield Season 6 on DVD. Don't miss the final season of The Shield, which premieres this Tuesday at 10 p.m. only on FX. And pick up The Shield Season 6 in stores August 26th from Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. All right, we are going to call our... Uh... Let's see. Hello. Uh, hi. Who might this be? This is Ken. Hello, Ken. How you doing today? Doing great. All right. Let me get the bed rolling over here. All right. Are you ready to play Richie Bristol Trivia uh, for a copy of The Shield Season 6 on DVD? Yes, I am. All right. I'm going to give you your choice here. It's going to be a player's choice because you're the first up. Uh, would you like a multiple choice question about Richie's sex life? 
or a multiple choice question about an injury Richie once sustained? Oh boy, that's, that's, that's tough. Um, we'll go with the uh, the sex life. All right. So I'm going to give that's you. Uh, this, is a, this is a. This is. Let me give you three answers. One of them is correct. All right. For a copy of The Shield, season six on DVD, sir. In one 24-hour period. So that is in one 24-hour period. What is the greatest number of women with whom Richie Bristol has had intimate relations? Is it? Three women in 24 hours? Is it four women in 24 hours? Or is it five women in 24 hours? In a 24-hour period, what is the number, uh, greatest number of women with which uh, Richie Bristol has had relations? Is it three, four, or five, sir? Well, if it was Vegas, I'd have to say zero. <laughs> but since we're uh, talking about Portland, I'm going to say four. Is that your final answer? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, four. I'm sorry, sir. The correct answer, improbably enough, is five. Oh. Yes, Richie Bristol has had intimate relations with five women in a 24-hour period. The mind reels. All right, thank you for playing, sir. Thanks. All right, do I have time to do one more? Yeah. All right, let's get the caller. Uh, we'll take the next caller here. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who might you be? This is Eli. Hi, Eli. Are you ready to play Richie Bristol Trivia? I'll give it a shot. All right, uh, I'm going to give you the same thing. Uh, a couple answers. Uh, one of them is true. On his left knee, Richie Bristol has a scar. Is this scar from A, an accident with nitrous oxide, B, suffered while skateboarding into a car, or C, is this scar from cutting his knee while going out the bedroom window of a married woman? So one of these is true. Scar on his left knee, is it A, an accident with nitrous, B, from skateboarding into a car, C, a cut while going out the bedroom window of a married woman? I really can't see him doing C. Well, you kind of could, but I'd say B. It's a skateboarding accident. It's pretty obvious. Is this your final answer, sir? Yes. All right. I'm sorry. That is actually oh. not correct. Uh, the correct answer is A, an accident with nitrous oxide. Richie Bristol, uh, while huffing nitrous oxide directly out of a tank, huffed so much nitrous he actually passed out. The nitrous then kept pouring out and froze his left knee, leaving a vast amount of scar tissue. Excellent. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you for playing. All right. Well, sorry about that. Okay. Well, we'll, uh, we'll just move it forward, as they say. So tomorrow uh, we'll give you uh, probably two shots. So tomorrow we might do more Richie Bristol trivia, uh, and then uh, we'll also do uh, the mystery top five tomorrow. I just uh, I suck. I, I like to think, I think over the last few weeks I have been, not to wax my own car in public here, but I, I think I've been very productive the last few. I think we've really kicked it up, and I think we've really started. We've started getting to many more things. I think the show has gone much more efficiently over the last few weeks. We've turned over a new leaf, but I do. But the week, the week link continues to be the top five. And now we're done. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondents James Roop and Steve Kastenbaum, as well as Mr. Skin. Uh, join us tomorrow when our guests will include uh, Steve Kastenbaum from uh, from the uh, CNN Center in uh, Denver, Colorado, and Dorothy Costaseri from the National Enquirer. Rick Emerson Show, produced today by Kristen Bowie. For the vacationing Sarah Dillon in the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones. Richie Bristol, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn. The webmistress is the newly married Bridget from upstairs. Director of Engineering, Brian Jones. And, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan. Don't F with me under any circumstances, or I'll make you pay for an eternity. Reynolds. Uh, like us next, Michael Maris Show at 7. As always, thank you for listening. Be safe. What's up for snakes? And uh, we'll see you all tomorrow. Bye now.